Okay, good afternoon, everyone. This meeting will come to order. Welcome to the November 27, 2023, regular meeting of the Land Use and Transportation Committee of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. I hope everyone had a really nice break with your families. I am Supervisor Mirna Melgar, Chair of the Committee, joined by Board of Supervisors President Darren Peskin and uh, Vice Chair Dean Preston. The committee clerk today is John Carroll, and I also would like to acknowledge and thank Kalina Mendoza at SFCUP TV for staffing this meeting. Mr. Clerk, do you have any announcements? Yes, thank you, Madam Chair. Public comment will be taken on each item on today's agenda. When your item of interest comes up and public comment is called, please line up to speak along your right-hand side of the room. I'm pointing it out right now with my left hand. Alternatively, you may submit your public comment in writing in either of the following ways. You may email your comment to myself at j-o-h-n period c-a-r-r-o-l-l at sfgov.org, or you may send your written comments via U.S. Postal Service to our office in City Hall. That's the clerk's office, room 244, San Francisco's, I'm sorry, San Francisco City Hall, 1 Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, San Francisco, California, 94102. If you submit public comment in writing, I will forward it to the members of the committee and also include it as part of the file on which you are commenting. Please ensure that you've silenced your cell phones and other electronic devices you've brought with you today into the chamber. And if you have any documents to include it as part of the file that you've brought with you into the room, please just drop them on the rail and I'll come forward to pick them up when I have a moment. Items acted upon today are expected to appear on the Board of Supervisors agenda of December 5th, 2023, unless otherwise stated. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Clerk. Uh, I just want to make an announcement at the beginning of the meeting. If you are here for item number five, um, I will be limiting the public comment to one minute per speaker, as we have heard this uh, item multiple times. Um, so with that, uh, Mr. Clerk, will you please call item one and two together? One and two together. Agenda item one is an ordinance amending the planning code to create the Wawona Street and 45th Avenue Cultural Center Special Use District to facilitate the redevelopment of a cultural center. Amending the zoning map to show the Wawona Street and 45th Avenue Cultural Center Special Use District. Amending the local coastal program to add the Wawona Street and 45th Avenue Cultural Center Special Use District subject to certification by the Coastal Commission and affirming the planning department's CEQA determination and the appropriate findings in the planning code. Agenda item number two is a resolution transmitting to the California Coastal Commission for review and certification, an amendment to the implementation program portion of the certified local coastal program for the creation of the Wawona Street and 45th Avenue Cultural Center Special Use District on the parcel located at 2745th Avenue and affirming the planning department's determination under CEQA. Uh, thank you, Mr. Clerk. Uh, we are joined by Supervisor Joel Engardia, representing District 4, the sponsor of this legislation. Welcome, Supervisor. Thank you. Good, good afternoon, Chair Melger, President Peskin, and Supervisor Preston. Last month on October 30th, I brought forward file number 230505 to allow for the redevelopment of the Irish Cultural Center project at 2745th Avenue. Today, this committee is revisiting the item to comply with Coastal Act noticing requirements. After hearing from SF Planning on proposed planning code, zoning map, and local coastal program amendments, and the sponsor regarding the proposed project, I asked the committee to allow for a second read of non-substantive amendments to file number 230505. Okay, uh, we have a presentation uh, from uh, Gabriela Pantoja. Welcome, Ms. Pantoja. 
SFCUF TV, you could go to the uh, presentation slides once we have them displaying. Thank you, Supervisor Ingardio. Uh, good afternoon, Supervisors. Gabriela Pantoja of Planning Department Staff. Uh, the items before you today are the Planning Code, Zoning Map, and Local Coastal Program Amendments for the creation of the Wawona Street and 45th Avenue Cultural Center Special Use District. Board file numbers 2305-05 and 2311-37. The items before you today, uh, go back there. There we go. The items before you today will preserve, uh, help preserve a key component of San Francisco's history and will facilitate the development of a state-of-art community facility for San Francisco's Irish population and larger community. Having served the community for more than 45 years, the United Irish Cultural Center is looking to expand the existing community facilities needs. Uh, community facilities ability to serve the neighborhood and additional neighborhood serving retail uh, use opportunities, job opportunities and business opportunities. As one of the few community facilities on the west side of the city, the new and improved community facility will continue to serve as a center that enhances the lives of the community members by providing a space for informal activities and programs related to recreation, education, civic concerns uh, for all ages. Designed with an eye on reflecting the history and aspirations of the Irish community, the proposed six-story over-basement mixed-use building will incorporate elements of the Irish culture and contain public and private community facilities, restaurant, bar, office, nighttime entertainment, and instructional uses. Specifically, the building will include nonprofit office space, classrooms, a child, children's playroom, an aquatic center, a gym, a youth basketball court, art gallery, banquet space, library, a screening theater, cafes and restaurants, and pub. The proposal will also help beautify the immediate public right-of-way and increase the accessibility with, for new pedestrians within the walkways with new ADA curb ramps, ADA passenger loading zones, street trees, and bicycle parkings. In order to facilitate the, re to facilitate the redevelopment of the Irish Culture Center, the Special Use District will principally permit uh, general office, institutional uses, retail sales and service, wireless communication facilities, nighttime entertainment um, at all floors. It will also reduce the transportation demand management requirement to 30% of the otherwise required target point, uh, remove controls related to the development of large lots and non-residential uses, authorize conditional use exemptions from the planning code requirements for floor area, rear yard and bulk. It is important to note that this SUD is only applicable to subject property at 2745th Avenue. Given that the SUD will amend portions of the planning code and zoning map that are uh, within the coastal zone, a local coastal program amendment is also required. It will need to be certified by the Coastal Commission. Local governments prepare and implement local coastal programs, or LPCs, to carry out the Coastal Act's mandate to protect coastal resources and maximize public access to shorelines in partnership with the Coastal Commission. Since San Francisco's LPC is compromised of the Compromise of the Western Shoreline Area Plan, which is a land use plan within the coastal zone, and the applicable provisions of the planning code and zoning map, which, are, which serve as the implementation program. 
San Francisco's local coastal program was originally certified by the California Coastal Commission in 1986. It was last updated in 2018 as part of the city's resilience and sustainability program efforts. As part of the 2018 update, the new objectives and policies were adopted to the Western Shoreline Area Plan that specifically addressed climate change, sea level, and coastal erosion concerns. Updates to the city's implementation program have not been certified by the Coastal Commission since the city's initial certification in 1986. Therefore, the LPC amendments for you today are meant to reflect the amendments of the planning code applicable to the subject property since 1986, its last certification, and for the proposed planning code and zoning map amendments for the creation of the Wawona Street and 45th Avenue Cultural Center's SUD. The LPC amendments for you today are part of a larger two-pronged effort to, uh, to update the city's LPC program. This two-pronged approach is uh, in coordination with the Coastal Commission. While the actions before you today specifically address the, updated, the updates necessary for this project, please note that the city is actively working on additional LPC amendments that will be forthcoming to capture the planning code and zoning map amendments citywide. These efforts are being reviewed in conjunction with the city's west side rezoning efforts. Just a picture of the coastal zone there. And looking at the timeline of this project and its proposed amendments, the project sponsors first launched the project in the summer of 2021. It conducted public outreach meetings, including kickoff meetings in August of 2021 and submitted their applications in February of 2022. On July 27th, 2023, the Planning Commission heard the project and its proposed amendments and adopted resolution number 21377, bringing us today's Land Use and Transportation Committee hearing, winter of 2023. The next steps include the full board of supervisors hearings and submittal in potentially early 2024 to the Coastal Commission for review and approval. It is important to note that the pros SUD ordinance will only be operative upon final certification by the Coastal Commission. Uh, this concludes staff's presentation. I'm available for any questions along with the Zoning Minister, Corey T. Thanks. Thank you, Ms. Pantoja. Um, we do have Corey T. here, the Zoning Administrator, for any questions. Uh, President Peskin. Thank you, Madam Chair, colleagues. Uh, by way of background, I think a half a dozen years ago when I was appointed to the California State Coastal Commission, I attempted to point out uh, to the planning department that in the decades between 1986 and the present or a few years ago, that San Francisco had adopted any number of citywide ordinances that impacted the sliver of the coastal zone that we have under the California Coastal Act for which we had never gone to the Coastal Commission to get concurrent. So I'm glad to see that a half a dozen years later as to one specific project, uh, and it, were, it was members of the public who said, hey, you guys can't do this without being consistent with state law. And it's kind of funny that on the same agenda that we are dealing with uh, HCD and their preemption of local zoning and what have you, the original preemption of local zoning actually was the Coastal Act for 21 coastal counties. Uh, San Francisco 
uh, had outsized political power in the days of the Coastal Act, which is why we only have a 1,000-foot sliver in there. But any number of laws that have been passed in the intervening 40 years actually needed to go to the Coastal Commission for concurrence or modification or rejection. Uh, you name it, short-term rentals. Uh, our scheme for citywide short-term rentals uh, has never been before the Coastal Commission. So I'm glad that the planning department a half a dozen years later is now trying to get it right. This is only the tip of the iceberg. Uh, the legislation that's before us, we've already voted for, uh, and but I'm glad to see that it is um, going to be made consistent with state law. Having said that, uh, around the resolution, there are representations that are made in the transmittal resolution that are not yet true. It is merely a timing issue, but I don't think, and maybe this is a question to the city attorney, that we can represent uh, that the board has acted twice on December 5th and December 12th until the board has acted on December 5th and December 12th, or we can send this to be voted on on December 12th upon the passage of the ordinance. Yes, uh, Supervisor, I do believe that uh, Supervisor Engardio has amendments to that effect, but maybe uh, the city attorney wants to uh, explain first, uh, and then Supervisor Engardio can explain his amendments. Deputy City Attorney Ann Pearson, um, I understand that the Coastal Act does require that the legislation include the dates on which the, bo the body acts as a body, which is why those two dates have been included. Um, you know, I'm, we're happy to think about how we can try and accommodate that requirement with the concern that you're raising um, if you want to come back to this item. I, I think the easiest way to do it, but you're the attorneys, is to just vote on this on December 12th, on the resolution. The ordinance requires two readings, and if you then do the second reading of the ordinance on December 12th and then pass the resolution, everything in there will be true and correct. Deputy City Attorney Julia Guaco-Nelson. That's correct. The action that's proposed for today, the resolution will be forwarded out. It'll be read on the 12th, concurrent with second reading. <laughs> okay, Supervisor and Guardio. Yeah, I was just gonna say that was the plan. I think we were gonna, like, President Peskin is absolutely right. We were going to vote on the First Amendment uh, today and then wait until the 12th for this resolution. That, I'm going to add that amendment to it. Okay, Supervisor Engardia, would you please um, talk about your amendments before public comments so people have a chance to uh, address sure. those in their comments? Thank yep. you. Yep. So <clears throat> on page 3, line 10, we're going to add subsection D under section two. The Board of Supervisors finds that the planning code and zoning map amendments in this ordinance constitute an amendment to the city's local coastal program. The Board of Supervisors finds that the amendments conform with the applicable provisions of the Coastal Act of 1976 and the provisions of the city's certified land use plan, the Western Shoreline Area Plan. The Board of Supervisors adopts and incorporates by reference the findings of the Planning Department in its letter dated October 30th, 2023, and the Planning Commission in Resolution Number 21377 on file with the Clerk of the Board in file number 230505. Okay, thank you very much. Um, 
Let's, uh, if there's no other questions, colleagues, let's go to public comment on these two items. Thank you. Agenda item numbers one and two are called together. If you have public comment on agenda item numbers one and two, please line up along your right-hand side, this western wall I'm indicating. Come forward to the lectern, and uh, if the first speaker is ready, we'll start your time. Eileen Boken with Speak. In strong opposition to the ordinance and his newest best friend, the resolution, based on a significant number of procedural irregularities, and urging the committee to table these items. There are a number of opposition letters on file, including current members of the Surfrider Foundation. This is not solely a District 4 issue. The site is in the oh, coastal sorry. zone and close by the Mean Hide Tideline, which is part of the public trust doctrine. Besides an SUD, this site also has a coastal zone permit, which has been suspended as it's under a current pending local appeal. The initial SUD referral comes from the Planning Commission. However, the 509-page augmentation bypasses the commission and comes directly from the department. Although uh, staff advised the commission that the SUD is solely for this site, the 509-page augmentation covers all NC2 districts in the coastal zone. And beginning on page 448, the do this document multiple times refers to the adjacent site at 2700 Sloat, even implying a lot merger. The LCP uh, legislation, or excuse me, res resolution was introduced on November 14th with the single word submit. Uh, the very next day, at a housing element open house, a District 4 aide fell to disclose that the resolution had been introduced, as did the planning director in one-on-one -on -one discussions with Speak. This resolution would bypass community input. Also, in response to the 509-page document, the director replied that the approach of bundling the SUD and the LCP amendments was based on the goal of efficiency. Thank you. Thank you, Eileen Boken, for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. Good afternoon. Thank you for seeing us. My name is Shauna McGrew. I live in D4. I'm a chartered member of the Irish Cultural Center, a member of the Surfriders Association, who are opposed to this. A couple of words that amendment means, okay? Uh, alter, 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 to alter, to adjust, to change, okay? I feel that if you pass this, this is opening Pandora's box, not only for San Francisco, I can just see special use districts in China Beach. I don't think that'll happen, but um, all up and down the coast of California, you, you, we, represent, we say that we're the best in the environment. We stop plastic bags. Stop this, okay? Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your comments with the committee. Let's have the next speaker, please. Hi, my name is Susan Wolf, and I live less than one block from the Irish Cultural Center. The only notification in the neighborhood is a small piece of paper on the side of the Irish Cultural Center. I know of no one in the entire neighborhood, and I walk my dog and I know a lot of people who even knows about this meeting. This whole thing has been kept as secretive as possible with as little public knowledge as possible. And our supervisor has email lists of hundreds of people where he could be emailing people about this meeting, and he has chosen not to do that. There is no one 
who I even know who knows what's going on with the Irish Cultural Center because the only notifications are little pieces of paper on the side of their building. Furthermore, the 509-page document that was tried to be sleazed in with Joel amending his work is absolutely a good reason not to let this happen and the fact that even 2700 slope was mentioned is not okay. And I'm not even reading off my papers anymore. So I have to say this about Joel. I'm going to pause time for just a moment. Make sure that you address the panel as a whole. Land use is here to hear your comments, oh, okay. but don't direct your comments at any individual member of the Board of Supervisors okay, or anyone no else in here. You have 51 seconds remaining. Okay. Any emails in support of these changes can be sent in huge quantities by the people who want to destroy the neighborhood and San Francisco. This is their job. Their job is to make money on 2700 Sloat and on the Irish Cultural Center because they are represented by the same lawyer. The idea of putting a swimming pool underground right four blocks from the beach is absurd. The parking places are going to be taken away on Sloat Boulevard for the 20 bicycle riders that go use Sloat every day for entertainment. Ten, almost 10% of the parking places are going to be taken away on Sloat. More parking places are going to be taken away for loading zones, bicycles, ADA, and other things speaker like that. Speaker's time is concluded. Thank you, Susan Wolf, for sharing your okay. comments with the committee. Let's hear from the next speaker, please. Hi, good afternoon, Supervisors. My name is Kathleen Dowling McDonough. I am a first-generation Irish-American, 100% in support of the United Irish Cultural Center. But more importantly, I'm a native San Franciscan and I'm committed to this city. The United Irish Cultural Center has made my quality of life and that of my extended family much better as it has done for thousands. I am sure you have all heard about all of the cultural programming that we offer, but I would like to focus my comments on the small but mighty library on the ground floor of the building. Our library contains thousands of titles on a number of subjects regarding Ireland and Irish America. Everything from archaeology, architecture and art, to immigration, literature, to mythology, folklore, religion, sports and travel. We have many books in the Irish language and a great children's section. We have an extensive digital collection with late 19th century periodicals and genealogical resources to help those doing research and trying to trace their Irish roots. We also have a beautiful display of memorabilia and ephemera. Our oldest book that we have was published in 1763, and we have many rare and signed books. We have had so many local students, international scholars, and authors come through the doors of the library. I remember when I was a kid and Senator Tip, Speaker Tip O'Neill came to visit the library, and just a few weeks ago, the one and only Alice Walters came by to look for some recipes. Our library attracts many visitors to the west side of the city. I urge you to wholeheartedly support our efforts to keep and grow this invaluable asset. We are dedicated to preserving and promoting Irish culture and heritage and sharing that, this with the entire city and beyond. San Francisco has always been known as a beacon for people and traditions and from other cultures and other ways of lives. As we move into a modern digital age, preserving history and culture has become more vital and this new center will be a stronghold for information and community. The United Irish Cultural Center makes San Francisco a better city. Thank you for your consideration. Thank you for sharing your comments with the committee. Can we have the next speaker, please? Good afternoon, supervisors. My name is Ivor Collins originally from Ireland, but I've been a resident of this fantastic city for almost 20 years. 
I'm a real estate agent here in the city, but I'm also a homeowner. I have a house just a few blocks from the Irish Centre. I'm a member of the Surfrider Foundation. I'm a lifelong surfer myself, and I surf Ocean Beach regularly um, on a daily basis. You'll be hard-pressed to find anybody who cares more about coastal conservation than myself, to be honest. But with that said, I wholeheartedly support the development of the Irish Centre. In addition to this, I'm a musician. I've played at countless musical events out at the Irish Centre myself. And I think I speak for a lot of my musical peers when I say, unfortunately, the facilities at the current Irish Centre are just too outdated at the moment to, to facilitate you know, events. And I firmly believe that with the new Irish Centre, we could be a beacon for artists traveling from Ireland to perform um, in America. At the moment, they travel over and they just stop at the East Coast, Boston, New York, Washington. It's very rare that they make it all the way over here and it's because we don't have the facilities for them, in my opinion, in the city to showcase their talents. I think this proposed Irish Centre will be a fantastic place for them to do that um, and I wholeheartedly support it and I thank you very much for your time. Cheers. Thank you, Ivor Collins, for your comments. Can we have the next speaker, please? Good, evening, or good afternoon, Supervisors. My name is Jean Connolly. I live at, uh, on, in the west side of the city on Inverness Drive at 27th and Sloat. Um, I've lived there since 1995. I speak on behalf of the Irish American community in the Bay Area and San Francisco. I wish to address the recent comments concerning the long-standing location of our center at 45th Avenue. While we value the engagement and perspective of all community members, we respectfully disagree with the suggestion that our center should relocate downtown. Our center has been a vital part of the 45th community since 1975. This location is more than just a physical space. It is a repository of our rich history and culture. It represents struggles, achievements, and legacy of the Irish community in the area, making it an irreplaceable landmark in our collective memory. We have approached the redevelopment of our center with the sole focus to continue serving our community from this historic location. We believe that preserving and promoting the Irish culture and heritage is best achieved by staying true to our roots at 45th Avenue. We are always open to dialogue and hope for your support as we navigate the complexities of this project. We value all opinions from community members and invite open and constructive discussions. The redevelopment project has been in the works for over two years and it may take another year to complete. We urge you to approve the project as designed. With over half a million Irish Americans claiming descent in the Bay Area, this, this project promises to be a legacy for the next 50 years, honoring our past while looking forward to the future. Thank you for your attention to the matter. We're committed to continuing our service to the community on 45th Avenue. Thank you. Thank you, Jean Connolly, for your comments. Can we have the next speaker, please? Hello, uh, my name is Susie Sheedy. I'm a lifelong resident of the Bay Area. I've raised my kids in San Francisco and I work in San Francisco. Um, and I'm a second generation Irish American. I come before you today to speak about the symbol of our cultural heritage at the Irish Cultural Center. The center is more than a building. It is a living legacy intertwining our past and present with the Irish American community. My own family's story, like many, began with an immigrant's dream. My grandparents, Helen and Jim Fitzpatrick, immigrated from counties Cavan and Kerry in Ireland. They were charter members of the current center where they, where they found a, a piece of Ireland for themselves and many do today. 
as was their vision, the center is a beacon of hope and a cultural home in a new land. My husband also immigrated from Ireland in the 90s. The center was a place where he went to meet people, look for work, and build his own community of family and friends. I have fond memories of going to the center for family dinners, concerts, and cultural events since I was a child. And my own children have had that same experience, even competing in Irish dance competitions and showcases. The Irish Cultural Center has been a sanctuary during both war and peace. It stands not just for Irish Americans, but as a testament to the spirit of inclusivity that defines San Francisco. Here, we celebrate not only Irish culture, but the diversity that enriches us all. As we look to the future, we envision the center flourishing over the next 50 years, nurturing a space where Irish American heritage and our city's diverse cultures coalesce. The proposal before you is pivotal. It's about sustaining a cultural heartbeat in a community, a center of excellence for all to share in Irish arts. Relocating the center to downtown, as has been suggested, overlooks its 40-year-plus legacy in its current uh, location. I strongly oppose the notion that our cultural impact is diminishing. The Irish Center is a vibrant, integral part of San Francisco's cultural landscape. In closing, I urge you to approve this project as de uh, designed. Let's Thank you, honor. Susie Sheedy, for sharing your Thank comments. You. Let's hear from the next speaker, please. Good afternoon, supervisors. My name is Dan Cotter. I'm here today to share the vibrant spirit of the Irish Cultural Center, a place close to my heart, and pivotal in preserving our rich Irish heritage through music and dance. At the core of the Irish Center's mission is the enchanting world of Irish music and dance. These aren't just art forms, they're lifelines to our past, connecting us with our ancestors. The center thrives on this connection, and I'm proud to see my grandchildren, along with many others, embracing these traditions. <clears throat> Excuse me. Our summer camps and youth programs are especially dear to us. They offer our youth a hands-on experience, not just learning steps of tunes, but feeling the pulse of Irish culture. It's a joy watching them grow, not just in skill, but in appreciation of our heritage. Please approve the project and move it to the full board. My grandchildren are fifth generation born in San Francisco. I had to learn Irish music at various houses because there was no cultural center at that time. It's up to you people, the Board of Supervisors, to vote to keep this cultural center going for the next 50 to 100 years. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for sharing your comments. Let's hear from the next speaker, please. Good afternoon, um, supervisors on the Land Use Committee. Um, I, my name is Erica Zweig, and I am speaking for a group in District 4 called D Forward. I'm also a member of the Westside Community Coalition. Um, I have no, I'm not here to talk about the Irish Cultural Center. I applaud. It, it, the building of it, except I'm sorry that they didn't think to put affordable housing that is so needed in every building that's being built. It's unfortunate for the Irish community that they don't have that. But I'm concerned about these amendments to the, uh, on, to the environment and, and to the coastal plan. I think something's being pushed through quickly without due diligence here. Uh, many people think something, as was suggested earlier, um, is happening in the darkness. 
I wonder even on this latest amendment brought forth by Mr. Engardio, um, who has verified this last amendment that, that is being added that um, everything has been reviewed? I hadn't heard that a full deep dive has gone into what's being amended. And the public would like to know what about it, what exactly? I, I looked everywhere to try to find it, and I didn't hear it in the presentation. What is the amendments being asked of the, um, of the coastal plan? And does it include the, the potential 50-story building? Does this encompass it if it gets approved or amended, the coastal plan, the 50-story building that is in front and closer to the coast than the Irish Cultural Center? These are just questions I'd like you to address. This is not the time for question and answer, ma'am, but you know we will address your comments after a public comment is closed, okay? Those are my comments. Please um, uh, speaker dive, dive deeper is what I'm asking for. We have to move on to the next speaker. And take your, two your time. Concluded. Thank you. Honorable members of the Board of Supervisors, city staff, my name is Mark Conroe, 3609 Buchanan Street. For 20 years, I've been a San Francisco resident, San Francisco small business owner, and a property owner. I'm here to speak strongly in favor of uh, the action being proposed today. The reason I'm speaking in favor of it is because I've spent decades trying to make San Francisco a better place, along with a lot of other people. This has included uh, serving on boards related to homelessness, uh, helping build the SF Jazz Center, and was on the building committee, and was on the board of San Francisco Child Abuse Council. So over the last three or four decades, that work has been pointed at trying to make San Francisco a more livable, more enjoyable, more vibrant, more inclusive city. And this um, uh, proposed action to uh, make the Irish Center add, uh, add capacity to it to provide um, additional uh, room for activities I'm strongly in favor of. Uh, my family's benefited from the programs and facilities there and, and certainly will, could benefit along with a lot of others in the facilities that will be provided in the new building. Thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your comments with the committee. Could we have the next speaker, please? And then following that, if we have anyone further who has public comment on agenda items number one and two, please line up along that western wall. Next speaker, please. Good afternoon, supervisors. I'm here to just share my simple and humble perspective on what the Irish Cultural Center means to us. But for me, it's about life. And like everyone in life, there's certain milestone events. And when I close my eyes and I think about what I have witnessed there, I think of weddings, baptisms, birthday celebrations, wakes, funerals, retirement parties, all sorts of wonderful milestone events. When I look around at the people in my vision, it's family, it's mothers, it's fathers, grandparents, loved ones, friends. And when I look at what they're doing, they're watching sport, storytelling, laughing, singing, and dancing. It's just hard to imagine 
us standing here today doing anything better, doing anything more productive than encouraging this sort of behavior. And I, and I appreciate you guys taking the time to move this forward so that we can preserve our little piece of life. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your comments with the committee. Do we have anyone else for public comment on one and two? Madam Chair. Okay, so with that, public comment on this item is now closed. Um, so I would uh, first like to say thank you to everyone who came out for public comment. Thank you, Supervisor Engardio, for moving this legislation forward. I am not Irish, <laughs> um, but I'm married to a Sean Donahue, and we have a daughter who has benefited from uh, the programs at the Irish Cultural Center, um, as I'm the kind of mom who thinks, you know, uh, connection with one's roots and ancestors is really important to child development. So she's grown up, uh, you know, watching her neighbors do Irish dance and countless uh, concerts. It's also where I met um, Mary Lou, um, the he head of Sinn Féin, um, and uh, lots of other things that are important to the community, cultural, political, social. So it is a really important place. Uh, I'm grateful for the work of um, the uh, board of directors and particularly uh, Liam Reedy, who has done so much work to make sure that this uh, happens and that it is a place of significance that serves the needs of the community for the next 100 years. Um, the Irish community is very important to the west side, to districts four and seven, um, and the rest of the city. So uh, I am uh, very proud to support this. I would like to be added as a co-sponsor, uh, and I would like to make a motion that we adopt the amendments as read uh, by you, Supervisor Engardio, uh, addressing the issues that were brought up by my uh, colleague, President Peskin. And if there's no other comments or questions, let's take a vote on that. A uh, motion has been offered by the chair to accept the amendments as presented by Supervisor Engardio. On that motion, Vice Chair Preston. Aye. Preston, aye. Member Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Chair Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Madam Chair, there is no opposition to the amendments. Thank you. Uh, so let's go ahead and vote on this um, as amended, please, with a positive recommendation. Recommended as amended. On the ordinance moved by the chair that it be recommended as amended to the Board of Supervisors. They'll consider it on December 5th. Vice Chair Preston. Aye. Preston, aye. Member Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Chair Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Madam Chair, there is no opposition once again. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. So uh, I just want to make sure, uh, Mr. Clerk, uh, that for item two, file 231137 for consideration to the full board uh, on two, that we're um, sending it to the meeting for uh, Tuesday, December 12th with a positive recommendation. Do we need to call roll again on that? I'll yeah, call a roll on that specific motion offered by the chair that agenda item number two be recommended to the December 12th board meeting on that motion, Vice Chair Preston. Preston, aye. Member Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Chair Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Madam Chair, there's no opposition once again. Thank you. Give me a second, Mr. Clark. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and uh, call uh, number four out of order, please. Agenda item number four, just a moment. Yeah, no? Okay, okay. Hold, hold on just a second. Okay.
Yes, let's call number four out of order. Agenda item number four is an ordinance amending the planning code to first, permit additional commercial retail and restaurant uses on the ground floor in certain neighborhood commercial districts and residential districts. Second, principally permit flexible retail on the ground floor in NCDs and Chinatown mixed use districts. Third, principally permit retail professional services uses on all floors and conditionally permit non-retail professional services on the ground floor in specified NCDs. Fourth, create regulations for music entertainment venues and nonprofit theaters distinct from regulations for bars. Fifth, allow limited corner commercial uses in certain residential districts. Sixth, amend section 311 of the planning code to remove neighborhood notice requirements for changes of use in the Eastern neighborhoods mixed use districts. Seventh, expand business types that qualify for the planning department priority review program. Eighth, clarify that multiple allowable uses may co-locate on one site. Ninth, clarify and modify various other use regulations and processes. Tenth, permit additional retail and non-retail uses in specified NCDs. Eleventh, eliminate the Mission Street Formula Retail Restaurant Subdistrict. And twelfth, exempt eligible projects proposing a change in use from all development impact fees with the exception of inclusionary housing fees for a five-year period and affirming the planning department's CEQA determination and other applicable determinations from the planning code. And finally, Madam Chair, we are in receipt of a memo from your desk requesting that this matter be agendized as a committee report for potential consideration by the board at tomorrow's meeting, the 28th of November. Okay, thank you, Mr. Clerk. I would like to welcome uh, Director Katie Tang uh, with the Office of Small Business. Welcome, Director Tang. All right, thank you. Um, good afternoon, committee members. So I'm just gonna dive into some of the amendments being proposed today since it's our uh, second time here at Land Use Committee. Um, last time we were here, we made reference to several amendments that we were going to make to this legislation, and the version that is before you today really has to do the bulk of the amendments with the fact that we have added um, in allowance of uh, limited corner commercial uses um, into the planning code. And so just in high-level summary, uh, we make some uh, of those changes reflected in the introduction section. Um, we also, in section uh, 186, um, have further aligned amendments adopted by the Land Use Committee um, October 30th, as mentioned, uh, to allow limited corner commercial uses in residential districts, but to leave existing code as is for non-conforming uh, limited commercial uses, which is subject to section 186. In tables 209.1 and 209.2, the zoning control tables for RH districts and RM districts, uh, we make changes um, that uh, have to do with uh, not permitting LCCUs, so not permitting limited corner commercial uses um, if there's a residential conversion um, or residential unit or unauthorized unit uh, that would be involved um, unless the space proposed for conversion is occupied by a garage or storage space located in the basement or first story. Um, we also clarify the formula retail uh, prohibition for LCCUs and also a prohibition um, under the walk-up facility row, which is added. So those are um, the same changes being done under, uh, again, sections 209.1 and 209.2. Uh, under 209.4, which is a zoning control table for RTO districts, we amend a footnote, footnote one, 
uh, to um, regarding the citations for LCCUs and make that consistent across the various sections of the planning code. Under section 231, which has to do with LCCUs and RH, RTO, and RM districts, uh, we've added um, uh, subsection B5, um, basically uh, wording to limit where LCCUs can be established and prevent displacement of residential units. And then lastly, with regards to LCCUs um, under section 303.1, which has to do with formula retail controls, uh, we specify that um, in RH districts and RM districts uh, that uh, we do not permit formula retail uses that are also um, LCCUs. So those are uh, the majority of the changes. Um, we also uh, make a further change to section 303.2, which is the priority processing uh, for um, uh, permits and expedited review, expedited conditional use review. Um, we are deleting subsection C4 um, with regards to formula retail with fewer than 20 other establishments. Uh, this change would no longer allow any type of formula retail regardless of the numbers to uh, be eligible for uh, priority processing. Um, under section 311, which has to do with uh, permit review procedures, uh, we're just simply um, adding a word in there in the first sentence, this. Um, under section 714, which has to do with a Broadway NCD, uh, we are changing the word fast food to instead be formula retail, as fast food is not a use under the planning code. Mm. Under table 722, uh, which has to do with the North Beach NCD zoning table, under the retail professional services row, there were two typos that we are correcting. We are adding in back in footnote seven under the first story control, and under the third story control, um, we are uh, putting down as uh, principal permit P instead of not permitted as per the current control. Again, those are just to address two typos. And then under section 810, which has to do with the Chinatown Community Business District zoning control table, under the restaurant row, we are also correcting a typo to add back in footnote three in reference to the formula retail control under the first story. And then, um, just going back under the definition section, we just have a couple of words inserted under um, design professional use as well as office use. So that's a high level summary of the uh, amendments. Um, and then uh, would like to have the, con the committee members consider uh, duplicating the file as per conversations with some of the community and committee members. Um, there are some additional amendments that, uh, that some uh, committee members would like to propose but would either uh, violate uh, Proposition H um, in terms of not being, um, we're not allowed to make those changes uh, at this time or we have to re-refer some of the proposed amendments back to Planning uh, Commission. So uh, I'll, I'll uh, recommend that, um, that suggestion to the committee members. Thank you so much, uh, Director Tang. So uh, if we have no, do we have any comments or questions about the amendments that were proposed by um, Director Tang? Or after Madam Chair, <laughs> let, let me just say, let me just start by thanking Director Tang for uh, working with all of us in the community. And I think that the vast majority of the changes reflect a collaborative outcome and a better product. So I wanna appreciate uh, Ms. Tang for that. Um, 
there are many, this got very complicated because the original version struck stuff out and then as we made changes, there were strikeouts to the strikeouts and it became kind of impossible to figure out. And so I, I'm, I think we're 98% of the way there. There's still a few things and uh, I was gonna call her Supervisor Tang, but Katie Tang and I were discussing these up till literally uh, the bell rang and we had to gavel down. Um, and I can go through them, and I think she referenced some of them. We did not actually get to the penultimate one, uh, Ms. Tang and I, which um, I was going to get to, but for lack of time, which is this, uh, it's in the long title, number 12, which is the exemption um, from fees, which is written very broadly, but in my conversations uh, with staff is really about conversion of PDR to non-PDR, but it's not expressed that way. The way it reads seems much broader than that. And I was, A, as a matter of the public, actually knowing what it does because um, Katie gave me all these charts and I looked at all these charts and the, there are various conversions where the fee is zero, which is most conversions, and then the places where there are conversion fees are conversions from PDR to non-PDR. And I thought it would be more transparent to the public who gets to see this if we could actually isolate that in section 406, number 12, which we haven't had the time to do and the city attorney's still trying to wrap their heads around. And so I was thinking that we might wanna just put 406 and number 12 in the long title into the trailing legislation so that we can get it right and be sure that, I mean, one, there's a public policy question here, which is, do we want for a period of five years not to have conversion fees for converting from PDR to non-PDR? That's a policy question. Um, and the other is kind of a public transparency question, which is I don't think people understand that. It looks like an across the board fee waiver and it's actually not. So I was gonna suggest that we put that in the trailing legislation. Uh, and then there were a number of things that we discussed which I can go through briefly. Um, uh, and I appreciate that some of these things can and will be worked out in the trailing legislation. One, and this is language that has gone in and out and back and forth and I we were trying to pull up the existing planning code, um, but the version that is in the file uh, as it relates to formula retail, this is on page 11, um, subsection C, has language that uh, is stricken in this version, I guess number four, uh, that says that formula retail shall not be permitted in RH and RM districts. That language in what has just been introduced is stricken. I want to just confirm before we strike it that it's not in the code as it exists today. It is in version three, but I just haven't had a second to look at that as we are doing this on the fly. I can do it right now. It's just going to take time. We ran out of time. Deputy City Attorney Ann Pearson, um, I would have to check that as well. I don't have hard copies of the amendments that have been circulated with me, so I would want to make sure we have the time to figure out what it is you're proposing that would be done differently than those that have been prepared. I guess what I'm really asking is, 
does version four, mm -hmm. the version that just was introduced or hasn't actually even been mm -hmm. introduced, but that is sitting before the three of us, is it the same as is in the existing code as it relates to formula retail? I, I think it may be. That's what Katie and my surmise was, but... <laughs> If I mean literally, I mean this is the kind. This is this is legislative work. This is I just haven't had time to figure that out. That is my understanding, Supervisor. I've reviewed the legislation with the drafting attorney, and that is my understanding. But again, to the extent that you're proposing any changes to the version that Director Tang is introducing, it would be great for us to have the time to work that out. Yeah. No, I understand. And by the way, what I am certain of is that this language is in version three that this committee did adopt. Mm -hmm. um, and that takes me to page 18, um, wherein I suggested, and I think we can do these now, um, which is in the table 209.1 uh, that we, again, this is formula retail reference section 186, which I think needs to be referenced, and that we add limited non-conforming uses to that part of the table, and in the next row down, uh, that for limited commercial uses, that we also keep the same hours of operation that are set forth for limited corner commercial uses, uh, 6 a.m. to 10 p.m., um, as those are in residential neighborhoods, uh, same suggested changes to 209.2. Um, I think Katie and I figured out that we're good on the RHRM language. There is an opportunity here to clean up an old section of code that is no longer applicable, Mr. Starr, which will make you happy, which is on page 25, subsection C a provision that I put into the code many years ago, uh, which was an exception for limited restaurant uses, which has long since uh, run its course. Uh, it was for um, uses uh, filed with the city by July 19th of 2018. It's years ago, we could strike that and clean up the code if you want. Just a friendly suggestion, not a live or die matter but it doesn't need to be in there. On page 29, again, I think we need to add limited non-conforming uses in items 10 and 11 under formula retail uses. Uh, on page 32, there is an unnecessary sentence because we don't, in this legislation, tell the planning department how to uh, do their, create their forms for CU applications, that's not elsewhere in the code, so we don't need to tell them that they need to do it differently. If they want to do it differently, they can do it differently, so we can take out the last sentence uh, at the end of that section on page 32, the top paragraph. Um, and this is right where Katie and I ran up to the 132 marker, and I did not get to do the rest of these with her. Um, or check them against the code. There's just a few left. We can, I don't know, we can, uh, I don't know what to do now. Okay, I would like to hear uh, from uh, Director Tang. Uh, we did, uh, you know, 
think that we were voting on this as a committee report. I'm not really sure if you need more time to work on amendments or if uh, what Director Tang suggested to d duplicate the file, pass out what we already have agreed on and then work on the subs on the balance of you know what you haven't gotten to uh, later. Uh, I will defer to um, what you think we should be doing. Thank you, uh, Chair Malgar. So yes, um, all the amendments that I went over earlier, uh, we believe we, we checked with the city attorney's office in terms of it being able to move forward to the full board and not having to be referred to the planning commission. Mm -hmm. um, the additional amendments that Supervisor Peskin is suggesting, uh, we do need to vet with the city attorney's office. Um, and we would like for those amendments to be made to the duplicate version staying back here in land use. I also needed to read into the record a couple of other amendments that um, through conversation um, with committee members also need to put into the duplicate version um, if you were to take action um, accordingly later. Um, and this has to do with section 186 um, regarding um, the exemption of limited commercial and industri industrial non-conforming uses in RHRM, RTO, and RED districts. We would add the North Beach SUD um, into this uh, section to be included under the exemption from termination provisions. Under section 231, which has to do with limited corner commercial uses in RH, RTO, and RM districts, um, we would uh, insert language um, under subsection C to align LCCU controls with the nearby controls of the neighborhood commercial district or an SUD, a special use district. And in subsection D, um, uh, align, add wording to align LCCU's uh, use size limitations with nearby neighborhood commercial district or special use districts. Um, under section 311, uh, we would limit the exemption from noticing requirements for change of use uh, to LCCUs or um, LCUs to apply only to RH, RM1, and RM2 districts, and then also add a noticing requirement for change of use to LC, uh, LCU or LCCU in RM3, RM4, and RTO districts. And then lastly, with regards to the Polk Street NCD zoning control table under section 723, under footnote three would add uh, or Hyde Street. So that would essentially prohibit certain uses including health service and retail professional service where the property has frontage on Hyde Street. And then under footnote 12, also do the same, add the words or Hyde Street to prohibit certain uses, including non-retail professional service where the property has frontage on Hyde Street. So those would all, uh, if the committee were to um, duplicate the file, would be proposed for the duplicate version staying back. And then I would add section 406 to the, strip it out of the current file and put it into the duplicated file to trail. Okay. Um, let's uh, go ahead and take public comment on this item if there's no other questions or comments by my colleagues. Thank you. If you have public comment on agenda item number four, please come forward to the lectern for two minutes apiece. Either one. Yeah, I'm kind of concerned because a lot of what you guys were abbreviating, I have no idea what it means. Only L knows what you were saying. And I'm concerned because as the audience and the public and the ones that are paying their taxes and voting, 
What does it mean? Does it mean less housing, more housing? Does it mean more more people keeping their jobs so there are job retail places are already? I, I, I got lost. Or does it mean the possibility for more jobs? And then the health inspector went in there also. So please, I mean, it would have been maybe three, four, five minutes to to say what those abbreviations stand for. Thank you for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. Good afternoon, supervisors. My name is Christian Ballou. I have lived in San Francisco for 23 years, and I'm here to support the passing of this legislation that's designed to benefit small business with a particular interest in introducing the Type 90 liquor license into the planning code, the easing of the permit process, and the lifting of caps, or the lifting of the cap on liquor licenses in the Haight-Ashbury specifically. I'm a musician, and I'm in the process of opening a new music venue in the space formerly known as Club Deluxe. And without this legislation, uh, this dream of reviving music, culture, and community of the Haight-Ashbury simply won't get a shot. Um, therefore, I urge the committee to realize the passage of this file and support small business entrepreneurs like myself by lifting the barriers to entry. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for sharing your comments with the committee. Do we have anyone else who has public comment on agenda item number four? Madam Chair. Um, thank you uh, so much. Uh, did you have any final thoughts, President Peskin? I did, which is shouldn't on page, I don't know, what is it, 54, shouldn't, this goes back to again, we consolidated some definitions and then unconsolidated some definitions, but shouldn't Ms. Tang on page 54 in the, in section 722, shouldn't services retail professional be NP in the first box? We did not have time to get to that. And I think that's true for pulp too. Uh, through the chair, sorry, you said 722 for retail professional services? Yeah. No, I believe the current code is uh, prints will be permitted with footnote seven. And then on the third floor should have, it, it's also currently principally permitted on the third floor. Okay, I believe you. Okay. All right. So I, I'm sorry, the, so many the clerk just reminded me to close public comment. So public comment is now closed. Um, so, uh, Ms. Uh, Deputy City Attorney? Deputy City Attorney Ann Pearson. So our office has approved as to form amendments to the original before you, and should you choose to duplicate it, we've also approved as to form amendments to the duplicate that Director Tang described. Um, any amendments that are, have been sort of discussed or raised today, read into the record, we would need to have the time to look at and to make. Um, if you want to come back to this item at the end of today's meeting, we can see if we can have the time to do that. Um, but I can't sign off on them on the fly just yet. Okay, I mean, the alternative would be just to duplicate the file and pass what we can today, what's ready, and then come back to the duplicated file when uh, the amendments have been approved as to form. So we have two or two and a half ways of going. One is duplicate, and I would 
take 406 out of the original file and add it to the duplicated file. The other is to the extent that some of the things that we talked about, like adding the LCUs and the 186 to the 209.1 and 209.2, if those can be approved as a form, we can do it later in the meeting as we've got three items left. Why not get those out of the way? Okay. What do you and think? And whatever is left, we'll put in the duplicated file. Okay, Supervisor Preston. Thank you, Chair Mulgren. I don't know that I'm responding in in uh, at the micro level to, to each of these, but I, I, I did just want to uh, thank Director Tang for her work on this and also um, in specifically some of the outreach to some of the communities I represent and, and folks appreciate the outreach to folks in the hate. Um, on some of the issues that were Haight-Ashbury specific. Um, I do want to encourage um, some additional uh, outreach in future to Japantown. I, I, we have not heard substantive concerns, but we have heard concerns just around some folks uh, who didn't learn about uh, the ordinance. Uh, but again, if there are substantive issues, we'll, we'll raise those and handle them in the, in the duplicate uh, if needed. But uh, that, that was one area where I just want to make sure that we're doing robust uh, outreach there as well. Um, I, I want to concur with what Supervisor uh, Peskin noted because I had the exact same experience of seeing this broad language around fee waivers and thank you Director Tang for the info this morning on the exactly what fees are being waived and what aren't and I, and I really do agree that the language on first read suggests a much broader waiver uh, and it's actually quite targeted so I, I would support that kind of what I think is not a policy change. I actually think the fees that are proposed to be waived are pretty narrow here um, in practice, but that for, for folks reading it might, might get a different impression on that. So I, I'd support, and I don't think there's any harm to taking that piece and handling it uh, in the duplicate. So thank you. Okay, so uh, what uh, has been suggested, thank you so much, uh, Supervisor Preston. So what has been suggesting, suggested, uh, if I can summarize it, is that there is a couple, there are a couple of things that can, uh, that are very not substantive that you may be able to approve today by the end of the meeting that can be added to the original file. Um, we will duplicate the file. The duplicated file we will continue to work on with all of these things that could be negotiated and cleaned up uh, going forward. But um, whatever we can uh, you know, pass today as a committee report, we will, and I will make the motion that we send this out with a positive recommendation as a committee report for tomorrow. Um, the question is, what is in that original file if it's as has been read into the record fully, or if there are a couple of things that my colleague, President Peskin, just uh, talked about today that could be approved uh, by the city attorney now. Deputy City Attorney Ann Pearson, we have prepared a draft of the amendments, and mm -hmm. I think it was based on that draft, um, that the talking points and descriptions were based on that draft. Um, if it, we could, I don't have a copy of that draft. Um, if I could get one, it would be great. I can confer with Supervisor Peskin to see what particular amendments he's proposing, and we'll figure out what, if anything, we can do for today. Okay, let's do this. Uh, if it's okay, let's uh, 
delay the vote on this particular item until later on in this meeting. Um, we've heard public comment. It, it is just a couple of things as I heard uh, President Peskin talk about, uh, but we will duplicate the file. We don't need to take a vote on that. Um, and for uh, the original file that we will vote on, uh, right, you know, during this meeting, but not right the second, uh, later on in the meeting after we hear from the city attorney that it's okay to do that. And just for my clarity, Madam Chair, you'll take all of those actions later on in today's agenda? Yes, okay. including the amendments that uh, Director Tang talked about. Is that okay, Director Tang? So let's uh, go back, please, to item number three. Agenda item number three is an ordinance amending the public works code to streamline and authorize the approval of certain neighborhood amenities, also known as Love Our Neighborhoods projects in sidewalks and other public rights of ways within the Department of Public Works jurisdiction to reduce fees for certain minor encroachment permits, to waive certain annual encroachment assessments, to clarify the approval process for commemorative plaques, and to clarify the permitting, revocation, and restoration requirements for all minor encroachment permits and affirming the planning department's determination under CEQA. This item is also agendized as a potential committee report to be recommended to tomorrow's board meeting. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Clerk. I uh, wanna first of all thank uh, Director Carla Short here uh, for uh, her work on this uh, legislation and particularly to Beth Rubenstein, who uh, has been such an incredible mind in working through both legislation and process. Um, I think this is one of these pieces of legislation who, that is gonna make life for people in the city much better. Um, it is seeking to address the bureaucratic process that uh, folks have to go through uh, to beautify and to show their love for uh, neighborhoods to others. It will address uh, the little libraries, the light strings, the planters, the little benches, all of the things that people, neighbors do uh, to show love for their neighborhoods and for one another um, that we want to encourage. Do we want to make sure that our city's processes support um, the wonderful things about our city, um, the cultural diversity, the richness, and the love that people have for one another and for our built environment? Um, I have uh, some amendments today that will help tighten some of the definitions and address some of the concerns that we heard last time we uh, heard this legislation. The way it is now, most projects require a minor or major encroachment process. Major encroachments take several months and can be very expensive. Um, have to go through the Board of Supervisors. They require hefty fees. This process simply isn't working, and I am so glad that uh, Public Works has really taken the time to help craft a better system that works with a process, that streamlines uh, things, that makes it easier for the public and also uh, protects uh, our city's structure. Um, the vision is that this legislation will be aptly named Love Our Neighborhoods. Um, it will create a permit process that has a one-stop portal for the neighbors. It creates three tiers. Um, tier one is actually not a permit. It's more like a registration process. And that's for the little libraries or the planters in front of uh, one's property. Um, tier, tier two, I'm sorry, tier 
two captures most projects that we see like murals, uh, tile staircases, minor landscaping, and we are clarifying that this will also include those calming light strings uh, that have appeared on merchant corridors and alleyways as long as they do not uh, cross, go across the street. And then tier three captures sculptures, uh, major landscaping projects, and generally more complex projects that need more engineering review. So I would now like to invite Ms. Carla Short, Director Short, uh, for uh, any remarks. Good afternoon. Carla Short, Director of Public Works. Thank you, Chair Melgar. Um, you did a very nice job summarizing um, the, the intent of the legislation as well as some of the cleanup that we undertook to try to address some of the concerns about uh, that were raised um, in the prior um, committee hearing. So really, I am just here to answer any questions um, that the community members may have. Okay. Um, do we have any questions or concerns, colleagues? Well, we lost some right. Um, thank you so much, uh, Director Short. I, I just have really appreciated your work on this and all of your thoughtfulness. Um, Supervisor Preston. Thank you, Chair Melgar, and uh, I want to um, thank you and your team for working so hard on this legislation and your work, and particularly um, your legislative age and low as well. Um, just one issue that... Um, my office had initially raised some concerns on that I think are addressed by the amendments, but I, I just wanted to get some clarity on this since this was something uh, raised by a number of uh, neighborhood groups and merchant groups uh, in in our uh, in my district. And, and, and this was the issue around the light around um, the string lights um, that initially was was I think limited to seasonal lights or lights that actually cross the streets and we have uh, in a lot of our uh, merchant corridor areas we have the unpermitted lights that are kind of running down the street um, some of which are pretty amazing um, and have been a really positive addition uh, but are not permitted in part because our I think everyone's understanding is they're not required to be permitted um, and uh, want to make sure that that those are in a tier and I believe with these amendments um, they are I think the two questions I had one is just confirming that 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 that's that's the case um, and and that they'll be covered and then the other is um, and I don't know if this is something that we can address here today or is is um, would you know require further um, amendments on a duplicated file or pursued separately but is just the issue of the fees around these as I said a lot of these are are existing and wondering if we can grandfather in um, so that these um, merchants are not paying fees for something that's now newly permitted but has been existing in our neighborhoods uh, for for quite some time so I think that we'd be interested to hear responses to those questions as well as I think we've had reference to and our my understanding is that DPW more broadly is planning to release guidelines around um, around not just this particular issue, but all the different tiers, uh, and wondering if there's a timetable for that. Those are my questions. Thank you. Director Short. Great. Thank you. Um, Supervisor Preston for those questions. Yes. So I think we have um, successfully addressed the concerns about the lighting. Um, that is now a tier two category, particularly um, 
when the lighting is going along the sidewalk or over um, an alleyway that does not have vehicular traffic. Of course, um, there may still be the opportunity under a tier three category um, to go over a roadway where there's vehicular traffic, but as the Supervisor Chair Malgar noted, that will require obviously more extensive engineering review, so that would be tier three. But to address those concerns that you had, um, they are, uh, the lighting that you described is no longer restricted to seasonal and um, is considered neighborhood string lighting in your definitions and would be a tier two um, category. As you noted, we are also working on um, detailed regulations that will really be the basis for um, how people, you know, outlining the details about all of the requirements to ensure that the path of travel is accessible along the sidewalk and um, would be the basis for then those, uh, really all the categories, but particularly the tier one um, non-permit registrations that would be required. Uh, we don't have a firm uh, date. We are working, we've actually already begun working on those regulations and we are hopeful that after the holidays um, that we will be able to finalize those. We expect to have a working draft of all those regulations by the end of the year. Um, but given the holidays, um, and we really wanna make sure that we have that portal ready to go, and we're working with digital services on that. So um, we're not gonna give a hard and fast deadline, but as I said, we're, we are expecting to have a working draft by the end of the calendar year. Okay, uh, did you have any questions or comment on this, oh, uh, President sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I failed to address the question about grandfathering, grandfathering. in. And yep. yes, that is the intention, that they will be <laughs> grandfathered in as long as they meet the necessary standards for that category. Great, thank you. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Supervisor Preston, and thank you for um, the conversation with your uh, office about these issues. Um, there's many ideas that we have gotten from uh, CBDs and other neighbors uh, with, after we introduce this legislation. We would like to incorporate a bunch of those things in a trailing legislation, um, but it's going to take work and brain power uh, to sort through the minutia of a lot of these things. Um, and how we work with other departments, because CPW is not the only player in this ecosystem. Um, so there's also a lot that needs to be determined through the registration system. Um, and uh, you know, I know that we will be working closely to address those issues. And you know, we have to strike a balance uh, uh, in not being overly bur burdensome, but also to make sure that we do our um, responsibility to the city in terms of legal risks um, and and also some of the things that the public brought up about obstructing the public right-of-way or ADA compliance issues or not using architecture that is um, unfriendly to some folks uh, that we you know that folks may not necessarily want to see uh, but but are members of our community so I don't want to let the perfect be the enemy of the good, and I think that this is a really good and a desperately needed thing. Um, so we will have some trailing legislation at some point. Uh, but I would like to read um, into the record a summary of the amendments that I would like us to consider today. So on page three, under definitions, we are adding the definition for uh, quote, decorative street lights, unquote, which means a pedestrian scale 
street light installed upon a sidewalk. These are like the decorative lampposts you see in historic districts. Um, on page four, lines three to six, we are moving the definition of front yard library, also known as little libraries, and calling them sidewalk libraries, since um, some are not necessarily in front of someone's home. On page four, line seven and eight, we added language under front yard planter to make clear that the plants have to be maintained regularly and that they need to be uh, fully compliant with sidewalk clearance. This we heard last time from public comments. We also removed the language regarding bioretention planters as these can be further defined in regulations. On page four, lines 18 to 25, we added the definition for neighborhood string lighting um, on page five, lines one through five, we've removed the definition for seasonal sidewalk lighting since we are consolidating this um, under neighborhood string lighting. There have been a lot of interest in this particular item, so I just want to clarify that we are no longer distinguishing between temporary and seasonal lighting. All of it will be under one definition and will require uh, permits depending on specifications. So also sorry, there was an error in your printed copy and we will not be including any specifications regarding height in this ordinance. On page five, lines six through nine and throughout the remainder of the ordinance, we are adding the definition for sidewalk library, also known as little libraries. And on uh, page six, we remove the language referring to an irrigation system extending beyond the frontage of one of, of more than one real property pa parcel from tier three projects as this was um, overly prescriptive. On page six, lines four through six, we added language to include that projects that are comp comprised of tier one, two, or three projects could be considered under tier three by the department as consolidated permit as they determine in their regulations. On page eight, lines 14 through 15, we are adding that the condition of approval may include but are not limited to periodic inspection, maintenance, and repair requirement Again, this was something that was brought up by public commenters. On page nine, uh, lines 11 through 12 in 2022, under safety inspection, I would like to specify that complaints about tier one projects must be submitted with some documentation or photos and must be related to public health, safety, or welfare. On page nine, line 22 through page 10, line two, I would like to strike through language regarding a safety inspection fee. On page 10, line six through eight, for tier two projects, we added clarifying language referring that, to, that applicants must obtain permits from relevant departments. On page 11, line four, we are removing the language limiting the permits be granted for up to two successive terms of murals. Instead, we will leave that to the regulations. On page 12, lines 2, 4, 10, and page 13, lines through through 3, we have some cleanup language regarding tier 1 projects. On page 13, lines 5 through 9, we added a clause that states that uh, for tier 1 projects, the department in the departmental authority may require the owner of the real property adjacent to a tier 1 project who is a registrant of the tier 1 
project to record in the Office of the Assessor Recorders the owner's acknowledgement of the owner's liability for any injury or claim as defined in Section 723.2 E1 cost by the Tier 1 project. And finally, um, on page 25, line 17, we eliminate the inspection fee and on line 18 through 20 in response to much feedback from the public, we are removing the language referring to a Tier 1 permit. This was too confusing. So originally, the legislation allowed for the department to require a Tier 1 registrant to get a permit in extraneous circumstances, but it was just too confusing to, so that to clarify, all Tier 1 projects are considered registrants, not permittees. So colleagues, if there are no other questions or comments, um, let's uh, go to public comment on this item. Thank you, Madam Chair. If you have public comment on agenda item number three, please line up along this western wall I'm pointing out with my left-hand side, or with my left hand, excuse me, and then please come forward to the lectern when you're ready to speak. Uh, good afternoon, Supervisors. Eric Brooks, Brooks representing uh, the local grassroots organization, Our City San Francisco, and also San Francisco Green Party. Uh, it's already been mentioned, but it bears strong repeating that what we need to not promote in these amenities are uh, these corrugated, ugly corrugated metal planters that are being used for no other purpose than to shove homeless people off the streets when they have no other place to go, uh, part, largely because we keep building too much luxury housing and we are not transforming existing housing that's empty and office space into housing for people that are low income so that they can stay off the streets. So I don't know if this legislation addresses that sufficiently, but we need to stop these stupid planters from being put out there in blatant contradiction to the United States Constitution and people's per personal freedoms who have no other choice but to sleep on the street because they have no other place to go. Thanks. Thank you, Eric Brooks, for sharing your comments. Can we have the next speaker, please? Yes, I'm also concerned about the planners. I volunteer with the Coalition on Homeless. And I noticed our Supervisor Melgar um, said that um, it would be, for pe would be regarding people's yards, people's properties. I don't think there's any grass in anybody's houses here in San Francisco. So what yards? So I, I also agree. The fact that these planners are being placed just maybe beautifies your rich hearts, your rich souls, your wealthy, your bourgeois way of life. But how about the poor? How about the homeless? Don't they deserve to live? Don't they deserve to see a little bit of beauty, especially in this summer season, Christmas holidays, New Year's, Thanksgiving? I really wonder how much you're gonna keep on allowing these planners to displace the homes that have nowhere to go. Where are they supposed to go, just die? Instead of building housing, low-income housing, you're gonna build a market-rate housing, and you guys are talking, because you know what we're saying is true, and you do nothing about it. Why allow planters? They will be on the sidewalks, and the sidewalks are public land, and we pay taxes for those lands, and we and we also have voting elections. So again, why the planners? 
why all these other startups being put in the cities here in San Francisco and throughout California to dissuade the homeless from living. Not even about living uh, in low-income house, about living. Thank you for sharing your comments with the committee. Do we have anyone further who has public comment on agenda item number three? Madam Chair, it appears we have no further comments. Thank you very much, Clerk. Uh, public comment on this item is now closed. Uh, colleagues, uh, I would like to make a motion that we adopt the amendments that I read into the record uh, to this legislation, please. On the motion to amend as offered by the Chair, Vice Chair Preston. Preston, aye. Member Peskin. Peskin, aye. Chair Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Madam Chair, there is no opposition. Thank you. And, you know, we had agendized this as a committee report. Uh, there is a lot of language to get through, uh, which I read into the record, but um, out of deference to uh, the public and because this, there's been so much interest in this legislation by uh, folks in the commercial districts and neighborhoods, um, I would like to send this out with a positive recommendation, not as a committee report, uh, but to uh, be voted. Oh. Deputy. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, but the amendments that you introduced just now are substantive, so okay. will require continuance. Oh, so we will continue it. Okay, sounds good. That's great. Uh, let's uh, continue this um, as amended to next week. To next week's mm -hmm. meeting. Okay. Thank On you. the motion offered by the chair that this ordinance be continued as amended to next week's meeting, that's December 4th, 2023. On that motion, Vice Chair Preston. Preston, aye. Member Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Chair Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Madam Chair, there was no opposition once again. Thank you so much. Uh, that motion passes. Okay. Now, finally, we are at uh, number five. Um, please call that. Agenda item number five is an ordinance amending the planning code to encourage housing production by first exempting under certain conditions specified housing projects from the notice and review procedures of section 311 and the conditional, conditional use requirement of section 313, excuse me, 317. In areas outside of priority equity geographies, which are identified in the housing element as areas or neighborhoods with a high density of vulnerable populations, in areas outside residential house districts within the family housing opportunity special use district. Second, removing the conditional use requirement for several types of housing projects, including housing developments on large lots in areas outside the priority equity geographies special use district projects to build to the allowable height limit, projects that build additional units in lower density zoning districts, and senior housing projects that attempt to obtain double density subject to certain exceptions in the RH districts in the Family Housing Opportunity Special Use District. Third, amending rear yard front setback lot frontage minimum lot size and residential open space requirements in specified districts subject to certain exceptions in RH districts in the Family Housing Opportunity Special Use District. Fourth, allowing additional uses on the ground floor in residential buildings, homeless shelters, and group housing in residential districts, and administrative review of reasonable accommodations. Fifth, expanding the eligibility for the Housing Opportunities Means Equity San Francisco Home SF program and density exceptions in residential districts. Sixth, exempting certain affordable housing projects from certain development fees. Seventh, authorizing the planning director to approve state density bonus projects subject to delegation from the planning commission. And eighth, making conforming amendments to other sections of the planning code 
amending the zoning map to create the priority equities, equity geography special use district, amending the subdivision code to update the condominium conversion requirements for projects utilizing residential density exceptions in RH districts, affirming the planning department's CEQA determination and making findings of public convenience or necessity under planning code section 302 and findings of consistency with the general plan and planning code section 101.1. Also, this matter was agendized as a committee report to be potentially forwarded to tomorrow's board meeting. Uh, thank you, Mr. Clerk. So we are joined by Aaron Starr from the Planning Department, and I also see Director Hill is here. Before you come up, uh, Mr. Starr, sorry. There's been a lot of interest in this um, item, and I wanted to make some remarks. I um, wanted to address some context on where we are today, as we have heard this legislation multiple times. Right before the last time this item was heard, the city received uh, the, a policy and practice review uh, document letter from uh, a letter of technical assistance, essentially from the state's uh, Department of Housing and Community Development. We had in this we received after we had agendized this item uh, before the break. We had a number of amendments ready to be acted upon last time, um, and we continued the item to allow enough time to review uh, the policy and practice review uh, and the letter of technical assistance to ensure that any drafted amendments for consideration aligned with our housing element and to address the issues specifically raised uh, by HCD. HCD is requiring the city to pass this legislation within 30 days. Uh, last week, the planning department submitted a formal response to HCD's policy and practice review. Uh, that response uh, has been forwarded to the clerk uh, to be available to the public for review for everyone. Uh, in my individual capacity, uh, I also submitted a letter to HCD as their letter addressed um, all of the amendments that I made to reconcile the um, mayor's legislation with the SUD that was unanimously passed by us um, and also to uh, clarify some of the points made by HCD uh, and some confusion that there was about the language um, in the amendments and we are um, on you know in a good page uh, I just want to add some just a, a a comment uh, as as a member of this body that I think that often around land use issues um, there are uh, differences of opinion generational changes in the way we look at land use and housing um, I think that there has been a lot of contentiousness and sometimes toxicity in our conversations around land use um, so much so that when people are working together collaboratively and effectively that is sometimes not recognized because we're so used to put the polarization um, I want to report that in this instance um, although it's taken more time uh, we have worked together uh, collaboratively with the advocates um, the mayor's office uh, my colleagues um, and I think that we will ultimately get there uh, in compliance with our housing element which was passed unanimously by this board of supervisors um, and you know we also have a very complicated code that is going to require some time to um, you know update uh, in compliance with state law and with uh, the multiple pieces of legislation that were signed into law by the governor merely a month ago 
So uh, we have been in open communication with HCD. Um, I feel like we've been making great progress. They have provided invaluable technical assistance to our planning department. Um, and um, I think that we are on the road to something. Um, I wanna thank Supervisor Mandelman for all of his work on this um, and for the care and thoughtfulness that you have approached this with. And I also thank you for showing up today and for having been at this committee multiple times uh, on this legislation. Um, I know that um, I have a bunch of amendments that I will be introducing that I have been working on with uh, the planning department, the mayor's office, and HCD. Um, and uh, I will also uh, turn it over to Supervisor Mandelman, who also has some amendments. Thank you, uh, Chair Melgar. And I do want to begin by um, actually extending uh, great Thanks to you. You've been in a very uh, challenging spot these last many months with people um, pushing and pulling you in all sorts of different directions, and I have been guilty of that and contributed, I'm sure, to the ulcers that are developing for you. And I, uh, I, I don't exactly apologize for that, but I want to thank you for um, for your thoughtfulness and for your the seriousness with which you've taken this exercise, your commitment to um, uh, improving our processes, um, but doing it in a way that that, um, that protects what is best about San Francisco's neighborhoods so um, and protects vulnerable people um, and I don't think this is easy or simple uh, but I am hopeful that we can get to a result that um, both uh, helps increase housing production in San Francisco um, and uh, and also makes us a better city so um, thank you um, I have as you have noted, been at a number of these uh, hearings and um, identified some particular concerns of my own. Um, to tick through what I think I've been most focused on, um, one issue has been concern about the demolition of rent-controlled housing. Um, I know that I'm not the only person on this board uh, who's concerned about this. In fact, uh, Chair Melgar, you addressed this in your SUD, but it was not, I think, um, you know, uh, fully and adequately addressed in the in the draft of legislation brought to us by the mayor's office initially and I think um, you know that was an I felt like that was an important thing to address I have also had some concern that in the absence of discretionary processes we might end up in a situation where people who um, know the most about what is happening on a property um, neighbors, former tenants, um, have no ability to uh, let the planning department or um, supervisors or anyone else know that something is going on, that a developer is being dishonest, that, um, that there's a history with this property that people should know about, that there's no actual forum for that to happen and that it was important and, and actually no forum, no way for those folks even to know that the project is happening and it seemed to me that um, we needed to try to address that as well. Um, I have uh, also expressed my concern that the streamlining ordinance not become a measure that streamline that pretty much just streamlines monster homes in my district, which has been a, a fear. Um, I have also had concerns and expressed them about the demolition of historic and potentially historic uh, buildings and streamlining that. And then the last piece um, that I have uh, expressed concern about. Um, is the streamlining of state density bonus projects. Um, we, it was interesting, there was a Chris Elmendorf uh, op-ed uh, identifying, even he was identifying some 
um, issues with state density bonus. I think we have seen some problems uh, with how state density bonus works in the real world in San Francisco. We saw some excesses around group housing that, um, that uh, President Peskin um, helped us to address. Um, we have seen, uh, I think, a, a, a risk to um, traditional patterns of development that include uh, mid-block open space in, in, in neighborhoods that is actually important. I think we can add density without eliminating mid-block open space. Um, State density bonus has been used to uh, to evade parking maximums and add more parking uh, to projects. So I am the way I think this is supposed to work, and the version of uh, planning that I like, and what I would hope streamlining would do, is that uh, legislators like us would describe the projects that we want, responding to state. Uh, directives to increase the overall development capacity of the city and then get out of the way and that's part of what that that's the point of streamlining what dens state density bonus does is allows the developers to describe what they want without regard to local policies like parking maximums um, and proceed with the projects that the developers say they want to do and I have been concerned about um, streamlining that so many, I think we can address many of these, and some of them have already been addressed. Uh, the um, demolition of rent-controlled housing, I think, is going to get addressed by an amendment that I think is being brought to us by, um, by planning, um, by building off of work that was in uh, Chair Melgar in your, S in your SUD. Um, the potential notification of interested parties was you solved in your SUD, and I believe that is also being addressed in, in what is going to be before this committee. Um, thank you uh, to the members of the, the committee for um, uh, duplicating the file, um, amending the duplicated file to include uh, new monster home, anti-monster home protections and sending that that has now been scheduled for the Planning Commission to hear this Thursday and I believe we will have that back for action by this committee I'm hoping next mon Monday. Um, I, am, I have circulated today an amendment that I would like this, I hope this committee will consider uh, to protect uh, historic and potentially historic buildings that might be at risk of demolition. Um, and the piece where I have uh, frankly given up um, is on trying to uh, deal with the state density bonus problem in, in this legislation. Um, I am although I, I would love for us to be able to do something about this problem here um, and, and have anxiety about actually expediting um, state density bonus projects, I am assured by the planning director and the planning department um, that they believe uh, they can handle um, the potential challenges of state density bonus, um, that we are not going to see a parade of horribles rolling out in the next few years of state density bonus projects that um, are, uh, are problematic um, and so I'm letting that one go but um, on the on the others um, I uh, hope that the that the uh, committee will um, take the monster home uh, anti-monster home protections that we get back uh, next Monday and and uh, and forward that to the full board um, and I'm also hopeful hopeful that the committee will uh, make the amendment um, on historic buildings that has been circulated that's what I got. Again, thanks to the committee members for all of your time and work. Um, and uh, 
I'll stop talking. Okay, thank you. I'm going to bring, uh, I guess, Mr. Starr up. Um, and uh, before you uh, talk, Mr. Starr, I just wanted to say thank you to our city attorney team. You're all rock stars. Uh, thank you for the multiple members of your team that have worked on a bunch of aspects of this legislation and supported us in all of this. Thank you. Okay, Mr. Starr. Um, <clears throat> Okay, so uh, most of the amendments that um, we're proposing today remove the carve-outs for projects located in the Family Housing Opportunity Special Use District um, that were added to the ordinance at a previous land use committee hearing. <clears throat> Those include carve-outs for lot size and lot, si um, and lot width in section 121, front setbacks in section 132, rear yards in section 134, usable open space in section 135, exposure in section 140, neighborhood notification in section 311, and carve-out language for the Family Housing Opportunity SUD in section 317. There are also corresponding amendments to the zoning control tables in section 209.1 for RH districts, uh, 209.2 for RM districts. These amendments would have the effect of standardizing these code requirements throughout the city. There are also um, amendments that remove the conditional use requirement to exceed 40 feet in RH districts under Section 253, which was added back in a previous amendment. And then <clears throat> the ones that don't deal with the carve-outs uh, start on page 13, line 15, and page 15, line 8. Um, these amendments would remove the subjective design criteria for large lot developments in NC and Chinatown districts and replace them with a reference to objective design guidelines. The next amendment is on page 83, starting on line 8. Uh, the amendments to section 311 would read as follows. Um, so subsection B2, within the Family Housing Opportunity Special Use District. In RH zoning districts, within the Family Housing Opportunity Special Use District, projects that do not meet the eligibility criteria in subsection C of this section 249.94 are subject to the controls in subsection B3. Subsection B3, in all or other projects in residential NC, NCT, and Eastern Neighborhoods Mixed-Use Districts, all building permits applications in residential NC, NCT, and the Eastern Neighborhoods Mixed-Use Districts that propose any of the following shall be subject to notification and review procedures required by this Section 311. A, vertical additions unless at least one unit is being added. B, any alteration to a single-family house that increases the building's gross square, fleet, square feet more than 3,000 square feet or 25% increase of the existing gross square feet, which is ever greater. And C, any demolition or new construction that does not result in the addition of at least one new unit. Um, there are also additional amendments to section 317. So on page 70, line three, the amendment would remove no more than two. So the line would read no units. This removes the provision that allowed up to two units subject to rent control to be demolished without conditional use authorization. Now no units subject to rent control could be demolished without 317 conditional use process. Then on page 71, line 5, the language would uh, change the pre-application meeting to a meeting that must occur within 20 days of submitting the application um, or prior to application. And then page last one, page 71, line 16, 
The amendment would add language to state that the fa Family Housing Opportunity Special Use District controls for demolition would apply if the property is zoned RH and located within the Family Housing Opportunity SUD. And those are all the amendments I have. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Starr. Uh, President Peskin, did you have uh, some comments that you wanted to make? Your I name could. was okay. Go for it. Uh, let Let me start by repeating the words uh, that Supervisor Mandelman said of the chair, uh, and that the chair said of Supervisor Mandelman. Appreciate both of you taking the lion's share of the work, and um, want to hark back to the work that was done by Supervisor Melgar and subsequently this committee on the family housing SUD that I think made that legislation a better piece of legislation um, and want to, and they have not been approved as to form yet by the city attorney because the cavalcade of laws that are coming down one after the other from Sacramento are still being figured out by the city attorney's office and some of them work well together, some of them don't. It is, nobody's doing air traffic control up in Sacramento. Uh, but I would like to um, be consistent and have this legislation be consistent as a matter of policy with Supervisor Melgar's legislation. We went through a number of these things and to that end, I hope that by next week we have legislation that has been approved as to form um, that relative and I think we went over these issues uh, around buyouts on the last piece of legislation uh, that are not limited to lower income households uh, relocation benefits. Um, so I'd like to conform that by taking out uh, the words in 317-2E, quote, that are lower income households relocation benefits and a right of first refusal for a comparable unit. Uh, I would like to be sure that 2G includes and provides for mailed notice. Um, and then in uh, the mayor's version removes the ownership requirements that we put into Supervisor Melgar's SUD at section 249.94 uh, which we discussed at great length here, and to reduce speculation uh, had a holding period. I'd like to um, introduce that into this legislation when it's approved as to form. And then uh, another policy flag um, is the HOPE SF changes and um, issues of the AMI are raised, and I think we want to strike at or below 80% from that provision. Uh, so I would like to introduce those next week if indeed they're approved as to form and don't run afoul of state law. And, and then finally, let me offer this. Uh, I've been doing a little bit of reading the last few days and was looking at uh, London School of Economics, UCLA professor Michael Storper's uh, work um, who cautions uh, us in the state of California uh, stating that the idea that blanket upzoning will cause housing affordability to trickle down within our metropolis uh, 
will, uh, is a flawed uh, premise and will ultimately, and I think Supervisor Mandelman's trying to deal with these things, lead to bad urbanism that we will uh, live to regret and not what we are trying to do, which is create affordability for middle income and lower income people, uh, but will ultimately increase property owners' land values and not achieve the density uh, and affordability that we're seeking to achieve. But with that, I will uh, hope to introduce the amendments I discussed next week. Um, okay, before we, okay, uh, Supervisor Preston. Thank you, Chair Melgar, um, and thank you, uh, President Peskin, for, for those comments. Um, and, I, and I appreciate the um, good too. I think we're on, are we on our fifth or sixth hearing on this? I'm not sure, but I am glad that we finally have before us amendments to remove the uh, demo, streamlining of the demolition of rent-controlled housing. Um, and I, I just wanted to comment on this um, and also had, had a question about it. Um, because I am left still scratching my head how our state housing department would issue a letter, repeated letters, to this Board of Supervisors urging the adoption without amendments of a law that furthers certain parts of the housing element while authorizing uh, or, or seeking to streamline the demolition of rent-controlled housing, which is in direct violation of another part of our housing element. Um, I also want to say, while I appreciate and, and believe very much, um, Chair Melgar, that you and others here are interested in all of us coming together to move forward uh, good policy to further our and to realize our, our housing element goals. I, I also think I, I, I want a, to, to at least have the record be clear that, that this is not how we um, saw this plan and proposal introduced, and I think we're getting there, we're getting closer. Um, but I also think we need to not sugarcoat what has become a deliberate strategy to provoke fights that are unnecessary um, instead of working together with the full knowledge of what will happen and also with the full knowledge of how the Brown Act works and how the legislative process works. So for this administration to come to this body, rather than picking up the phone, talking to any supervisors, talking about the rent control demolition issue or other issues that are of course gonna be hot button issues, to instead come forward with an ordinance that proposes to streamline the demolition of rent controlled housing, which a supermajority of this board will clearly oppose, and then to weaponize each continuance with the full knowledge of how our media landscape operates. So that is that any discussion or proposals for amendments on substantive issues require a continuance, and under Brown Act, you can't just make those uh, changes on the spot. Took several meetings to get agreement of all parties that of course we would wanna make this amendment, and then when you wanna make these amendments, that's further uh, delay. Um, and then you have uh, HCD and others uh, pointing to the delay as if it's a source of obstruction instead of what it is, 
which is a uh, dispute, manufactured dispute that never had to exist around the preservation of rent-controlled housing. Um, and I want to say, since we're in, since all of this is part policy and part media coverage, I, I think the much of the media coverage has been absolutely appalling in refusing to even acknowledge or reference this issue of the demolition of rent-controlled housing and the dispute over that and the refusal of the administration from the start to include that, to even, th that is excluded from 90% of the coverage. And that, that is a, a real um, disservice uh, to the public who need to understand that one of the driving forces, uh, if not the biggest driving forces, force of the delay was not the complexity of these issues, that certainly uh, factors in, but was the stubborn and um, I think bad policy decision of this administration to introduce um, this ordinance um, with, with provisions that allow uh, the demolition of rent-controlled uh, housing and streamline that um, and realizing uh, the, the opportunities uh, to provoke those fights and then have the media cover any delay uh, as being the fault of this uh, committee. So it's, un it's an unfortunate dynamic. It's one that I hope changes as we entertain uh, future, future legislation, um, but it is the reality uh, of the situation. Um, my question on this topic is, um, I suppose for planning, but but if anyone else has information, I, I would like to know what conversations, if any, there have been with HCD about the issue of demolition of rent-controlled housing. Like, I, I mean, I think, I think one of the things we see in the public feedback on this is a frustration that affordable housing issues are just kind of kicked to the side and we deal with hearing after hearing and piece of legislation after piece of legislation that is all about streamlining market rate development. And nobody's talking about the fact that 46,000 of the 82,000 units we are committed to creating in San Francisco under the housing element are supposed to be affordable housing units. And yet that is not centered in or even addressed in any meaningful way by any of the legislation that we've seen so far from this administration. Um, but to, to get letters like this October 26th letter from HCD urging us, not just to pass legislation on this topic, but to pass it as originally proposed, in other words, passing it with streamlining of, of demolition, has that been raised with HCD? Do they just not understand what they're asking us? Do they not understand the intricacies of how rent control works in San Francisco law? Or is this being, is there a dialogue on this? And what can you report back as to why HCD seems <clears throat> unconcerned uh, with demolition of rent control? Thank yes, you, Mr. Hillis. Can I just say sure, one sure. thing? Yep. Um, thank you, uh, Supervisor Preston, for raising these issues. Um, I just want to clarify that uh, as to the issue of the demolition of rent control housing. Uh, we brought that up early uh, uh, to the mayor's office folks after it was introduced. Uh, they did not include it in the original legislation, but since we raised it, and that was you know one of my lines in the sand, um, they did not oppose it, it oppose including that um, in the legislation, which is the amendment that you have before you today. But uh, Director Hillis has been in those conversations with HCD, so you can answer that question about sure, HCD. Sure, but before he does, uh, Madam Chair, I mean, 
we are five hearings later, so I appreciate that, and, and they, <laughs> the mayor's office could have introduced substitute legislation dealing with that issue or brought forward uh, amendment language. I, I mean, the fact that this, how many months have we all been at this, and today's the first day we're seeing those. Uh, anyway, I, so, and, and thank you for the question. I mean, I think for one, we, you brought this up, I think, that yeah. the first time I was here, and we agreed to make that change with you that that wasn't the intent to dem demolish or encourage the demolition of rent-controlled housing. As you remember, it was in very limited circumstances for a two-unit building that wasn't tenant-occupied, where you're expanding the number of units. And I get that could have happened where rent-controlled uh, units were demoed, so agreed to take that out. And we've had that discussion with the state. The state in many of its streamlining, or I think most of its streamlining bills where it requires ministerial approval, has carve-outs and exemptions for uh, rent-controlled, price-controlled uh, existing units. So under their own provisions, whether it's AB 2011 or, or SB 423, they also uh, have carve-outs that they don't apply when rent-controlled housing is, is being proposed to be de demolished. Thank you, and I, and I think that's consistent, as you say, with state policy. I'm just trying to understand, like you said, this starting in September became an issue at public hearings, yet still by the end of October, we're getting letters from HCD saying approve this as originally introduced. So in other words, we spent hours talking about this, it's all in the public record, and HCD is still telling us to approve something that doesn't have these protections. So are they just, are they agnostic on this at this point? No, I mean, when it's come up, they agree with removing that in, in not streamlining any ability to demo, demolish rent-controlled housing. Got it, well, thank you for, for I, I've just gotta say, for them to be okay with these kind of protections, but then be hammering us to adopt a version of the law that doesn't include these protections, uh, doesn't add up. And I think it's problematic and I think it underscores, and this is less for, for you, Director Hillis, than for HCD, it just underscores what appears to be a very, very motivated HCD when it comes to streamlining and deregulating market rate housing and a very uninterested HCD when it comes to f helping San Francisco fulfill our affordable housing goals and the preservation of our existing affordable housing, including rent control housing, which is one of the top policy objectives and commitments of our housing element. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, if we have no further comments, um, I will uh, go to public comment. I just wanted to do a little bit of um, process, uh, you know, recap for folks. Today is the 27th, which is the 30th day from the issuance of the report by HCD. Uh, what the law says is that if we miss this deadline in passing uh, this legislation, we will have uh, the HCD will issue a corrective action letter, and then we have uh, 30 days to uh, correct um, what will be in that action letter, which will be, uh, you know, December 27th. We have uh, three more meetings of the Board of Supervisors by then. Um, they, this uh, 
item today is agendized as a committee report to go to the full board tomorrow. Um, we have a, a, you know, an amendment that my colleague, Supervisor Mandelman, um, has uh, from a duplicated file that is going to the Planning Commission on Thursday, which can be agendized as a committee report on Monday and still make that deadline uh, for the 30 days. That amendment seeks to um, uh, you know, has has a goal that we all support, which is if you're gonna be um, doing building, uh, that you should build more units instead of just you know Mac Mac mansionizing your property, uh, which is a, a you know goal that is consistent with both the housing element uh, and HCD's goals. So I think that that's something that we all want to get to, um, but you know that sort of messes with our deadline a little bit. Um, and then uh, also President Peskin has a, a couple of things. I think one of them may have already been addressed in our amendments, but you know whatever hasn't been, I think. Um, can be worked on for Monday. But I just wanted to give a recap of what the timeline has to be in order for us to comply uh, with the HCD deadline, which I am fully confident we can do. Uh, so uh, with that, uh, Mr. Clerk, let's go to public comment on this item. Thank you, please come forward for public comment to the lectern. First speaker, please. Good afternoon again, Supervisors Eric Brooks, Our City SF and San Francisco Secret Offenders. I don't know why we're talking about negotiating with the mayor to amend this piece of garbage legislation that is a Godzilla-level attack on the city of San Francisco and its integ environmental integrity. Uh, the issue of demolishing rent control housing is just the tip of the iceberg. This is an omnibus measure that will that attacks the city in various different ways and most importantly, uh, is going to cause gentrification that is going to still make rents go through the roof and housing costs go through the roof and drive people out into the streets into homelessness. Negotiating over something that's being given to us by a corrupt mayor's office that's bought and paid for by big tech and big real estate investors is really unacceptable. We need a full gut and amend of this entire thing written by good supervisors like yourselves. Concluded. Thank you, Eric Brooks, for sharing your comments. Can we have the next speaker, please? Jake Price, Housing Action Coalition. Um, thank you all for your work throughout this process. I think there has been a lot of collaboration uh, for the past six months, um, and I think we are reaching the end of the road uh, in that collaboration as laid forth by HCD. Um, we are tempting fate, flirting with disaster, and stomping on thin ice if we delay any further. And I would like us to please pass this today and vote on it tomorrow at the full board. Thank you. Thank you, Jake Price, for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. Good afternoon. Chair Melgar, President Peskin, Supervisors Preston and Mandelman. Um, Peter Papadopoulos with the Mission Economic Development Agency. And I want to start by saying we do appreciate some of the equity amendments, including tenant protections that have now worked their way in. We think that's a good step. At the same time, we're very concerned uh, that this legislation remains out of alignment with several core San Francisco housing element, equity and affirmatively furthering fair housing frameworks. Uh, at the very bare minimum in my time here, I'd like to say we'd like to see at least in order to come into alignment with the requirements of the housing element that A, 
It excludes priority equity geographies from all market rate housing streamlining, including state density bonus, as required by the equity frameworks of the housing element passed in conjunction with HCD. Second, we'd like to see areas vulnerable to displacement included in PEGs in being exempted as required by 8.4.2. And we want to ensure that cultural districts design guidelines have a replacement you, mechanism before removal. Thank because you. Because time is concluded. Thank you, Peter Papadopoulos. Can we have the next speaker, please? Hey, I'm Barack. Uh, thank you, Supervisors and Director Hillis. Um, um, we are past the time for political games or brinksmanship over housing. I urge you to pass the constraints reduction ordinance with all of these amendments now. Um, and I think that's not enough. Until we're actually completing more than 10,000 homes per year, we need to continue adjusting our zoning and other laws to encourage development. We only had 2,000 homes completed last year, fewer than 1,000 even permitted this year. This housing shortage is dire, and as a homeowner in Supervisor Mandelman's district, I'm disappointed by these new amendments being introduced. They are unnecessary delays, they're preserving discretionary processes and conditional permitting and privileging the views of immediate neighborhoods, neighbors over the interests of the city as a whole. These are the policies that have halted new homes and caused this shortage. So please treat the housing shortage as the dire problem that it is and pass the ordinance with all the necessary amendments today. Thank you for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. Hello, committee and Mr. Hillis. Um, Christopher Roach, um, chair of the AI Public Policy and Advocacy Committee. Um, thank you for hearing us today. Uh, we support the motion to pass this ordinance and not the duplicated one and send it to the Board of Supervisors for full approval. Um, I have the letter of support um, that we issued in July, amended with about 90 signatures from the um, a &E community, um, which I submit um, for the record. Um, however, this has taken too long to pass and has gone through far too many amendments. Um, so we're a little concerned, but want to get it passed by the deadline. Um, just to correct the fact, this proposal does not remove rent-controlled housing. We all support the protection of rent-controlled housing, but this ordinance also combines protection with the other P's of preservation and production. Um, furthermore, we shouldn't be focusing land use policy uh, on a policing mechanism to catch a few bad actors. Speaker's time is concluded. Thank you, Christopher Roach, for sharing your comments to the committee. Is your submission the same as the email that we received yes. earlier? Thank you, it's been distributed. Can we get the next speaker, please? Uh, good afternoon, uh, supervisors. My name is Mike Chen, I'm a San Francisco resident, and I recently spoke with another friend who is leaving San Francisco because the housing costs are really high and it's really hard to find uh, housing for families with kids. Um, you know, as a housing and transit advocate, I'm really concerned about the loss of $100 million in transportation funds and $300 million in affordable housing funds every year that we would lose if we do not pass this. Let's please not be the first city to be decertified by the state and become a laughing stock to the rest of the cities. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your comments. The committee, could we have the next speaker, please? Hi, my name is Tracy Friedman. I've lived in the city 40 years. I own properties uh, that I live in in the city. I am strongly urging you to take this very seriously, not risk losing funding in any way, shape, or form from the state, which we so desperately need for housing in this city, and have some faith that this can get worked out so everyone in San Francisco feels that their needs are being addressed, particularly that of the thousands of people living on our streets. Thank you. 
Thank you, Tracy Friedman, for sharing your comments. Can we have the next speaker, please? Hi, good morning, commissioners, um, supervisors. My name is Jessica Pola. I'm a local real estate agent here in San Francisco, and I work with a lot of first-time buyers. I would like you guys to approve this today and bring it to the foreboard tomorrow, because as a realtor, I have talked to dozens of almost first-time buyers in San Francisco that want to continue to live and work here, and they can't because there's not a lot of supply. I would like to see an increase of supply so I could help more people become homeowners here in San Francisco. Thank you very much. Thank you for sharing your comments. Can we have the next speaker, please? Good afternoon, supervisors. My name is Don Misumi, and I'm a Richmond District resident and a member of the Richmond District Rising, one of the organizations of the Race in Equity in All Planning Coalition. I'm here to yet again to urge you to reject this streamlining legislation. While REP appreciates the work that has gone into amending the bill in order to address its failures, we all know that this is only putting lipstick on a pig. You can try to dress it up, but at its core, it is still ultimately focused on creating profit incentives to developers and has no real plan to address affordable housing goals. This bill not only opens the door even wider to market rate developers, it undermines the many actions that were approved by this board in the housing element that directly address equity for our vulnerable communities. And in so doing, it would violate the city's obligation to affirmatively further fair housing. I therefore again urge you to throw out this bill and start over with a plan that serves people's needs Speaker's over developers included. and private profit. Thank you, Don Masumi, for sharing your comments. Can we have the next speaker, please? Good afternoon, my name is Steve Marzo. I'm a resident of Ingleside and I'm commenting in support of the ordinance. Uh, San Francisco has a reputation as a city with a big heart, but can't get its act together. I know that we're better than on that, on most things, but on housing, the critics have it right. Our process has empowered special interests and landed gentry to keep their neighborhoods frozen in amber. We have the chance to change it today. We already passed a housing element but now we need to stick to our word. If we go back on our word, the state will bring down the hammer and we'll lose hundreds of millions of funding for transportation and for housing. So any ballot measures to increase funding would only bring us back to zero. So when I talk to my neighbors and they wonder why can't our city get their act together, here's a chance to prove them wrong. Let's pass this, let's keep our housing element compliant, let's not miss state deadlines and lose all this funding for transit and housing. Speaker's Thank time you. is concluded. Thank you, Steve Marzo, for sharing your comments. Can we have the next speaker, please? Hi, um, <clears throat> my name is Charlie Antoli. Uh, I'm here to speak in support of the constraints reduction ordinance. So I think our housing shortage really harms all of us. Uh, my husband and I actually dream of raising a family here, but constantly question if we can afford it. Um, I know many more are homeless and many are severely rent burdened all because we have refused to build enough housing so that everyone can live here. Um, this ordinance also has a lot of really good stuff in it, including provisions specifically designed to build more affordable housing and allow more senior housing, group housing, and homeless shelters. Um, furthermore, the state has made it very clear that they do not trust us to, <coughs> um, to meet our housing goals and will decertify us if we don't pass this. Um, please pass this, thank you for all you do, but please pass this legislation and allow us all to have a future here. Thank you. Thank you, Charlie Tolley, for sharing your comments. Can we have the next speaker, please? 
Carrie Bernstein, I'm an architect in San Francisco, member of AIA San Francisco PPAC, and also I represent AIA San Francisco to AIA California. I am the author of the copyright bill uh, that passed this year and took effect um, January 1st, part of an effort to um, uh, unmuck the system of um, permit approval processes. Um, everyone who's, who agrees we need more housing, whether it's rental control housing, market rate housing, all kinds of housing, we need more housing and um, time's up. And if we don't pass this, um, they, we will lose control of how we develop our city. Um, it will go into the hands of developers in the state, and I think that's the last thing just about anybody in this room wants. Um, so unfortunately, time is up, and um, there's, no, there's just no reason not to pass this because the alternative is much worse than passing it. Thank you for sharing your comments. Can we have the next speaker, please? Let me give you some facts. There was a study made by the University of California earlier this year, Children, Brenner Children's Center. Over 50% of the seniors that, that they interviewed and why they are homeless earn an average of $960 a month from the Social Security benefits. When they're, they're never going to be able to afford not even low-income housing. They're not. They're in the streets. Let me tell you another fact. I pay low-income rent, but they're going to build a building next to our building. That building is going to be some low-income housing, but the majority is market rate. Our rent control, AMI, my rent is going to go up because the land value of that land is going to go up. So when you're talking about rent control, you're talking about rent control for, for, for how? How is it going to be possible if our rent's going to go up because of the value of the land going up? The other thing is, um, because time is concluded. Thank you for sharing. That's your thirty seconds. The no, you gave everybody it's, three it's seconds, and then it rang again. And mine only. The speaker's time is concluded, and we had a thirty uh, thirty second warning. We need to move on to the next speaker. Can we get the next speaker, please? Next speaker, please come forward to the lectern. Hello, my name is Neil Shaquin. I met my wife randomly in a museum in India. She came from a patriarchal family where she had to sleep on the floor during her periods and where her only permitted life was to marry a man from her clan and become a housewife. She married me in secret and ran away from home. After she came to the US, we first lived with my parents in rural North Carolina before I brought her to San Francisco, my adopted home. San Francisco, not North Carolina, is what she always dreamed the US would be. Here she's found the freedom of ecstatic dance, Dolores Park, pride, the freedom to wear whatever she likes, have no children if she wants, and pursue her dream of being a designer. I know we all cherish San Francisco's promise of refuge and freedom for anyone, of any identity, but if we don't build more homes, it's a cruel, empty promise. San Francisco should be open to more than just the wealthy. If you agree, please stop the games, stop the delay, pass this ordinance now, as Supervisor Melgar and the mayor are working so hard to do. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your comments. Next speaker, please. Hello, my name is Mo Zhu. Uh, I join you today uh, to urge you to pass uh, the, uh, the, the plan uh, as soon as possible. Uh, the amendment will allow for more affordable housing, more senior housing, more group housing, more homeless shelters, more housing in general. Uh, we need it badly to address our housing shortage, which I think has been uh, a belabor point by now. Um, even before that, uh, uh, now, with these consequences of not adopting this change and further delay, we risk losing state funding for essential services, 
that are only going to hurt the most vulnerable among us. Uh, it's not responsible to play chicken with the state uh, with such high stakes. Uh, I urge you all to adopt it immediately without further dithering. Thank you. Thank you, Mozu, for sharing your comments. Can we have the next speaker, please? Hi. Uh, I'm Davey Kemp. I've been a renter all my life and a renter for the last 10 years in San Francisco. Um, I'm also the son of immigrants, uh, among whom are elderly, one with dementia. Uh, I am in support of this ordinance, uh, including its provisions on senior housing. Um, uh, I'm also part of a group that looks at uh, our housing shortage uh, from a very structural standpoint. And we've concluded that it's ordinance like these that are very much needed. So again, I urge you to pass this ordinance um, as is and uh, ensure that we don't shirk our responsibility to build our fair share of housing, uh, both in the region and uh, for the state of California. Thank you. Thank you, David Kim, for your comments. Can we have the next speaker, please? Good afternoon, Supervisors. My name is Bob Akisfandiari. I know many of you, but for those of you that I don't know, I live in the Outer Richmond District. I am a member of San Francisco YIMBY, Grow the Richmond, and I also am happy to be here representing the United Democratic Club today. I'll tell you a brief story and leave it at that, but first, I urge you to pass the ordinance and get it done, and do not threaten revoking our compliance with state housing law. Uh, last, uh, no, two weeks ago, I had a community cleanup. Uh, and as I was bringing people back from the community cleanup, I noticed there was a young woman crying at the parklet, uh, just kind of by herself. And then uh, after talking to her for a little bit, asking her what was wrong, she, and I'll leave her name out of this because you know it's her story a little bit, but she told me that uh, she was living in a situation uh, in a building just up the block that uh, was basically borderline abusive with her family. And we don't let people like that move out of those abusive situations because we have overcrowding, because we have a chronic housing shortage, and because we've let this persist for years and years. And the last thing I'll say with my three seconds, if you don't like the state density bonus law, make Home SF competitive with it. Thank you. Thank you, Baba Kisfandiari, for sharing your comments. The committee, can we have the next speaker, please? Uh, hello. My name is Wyatt Arnold. I am a homeowner and licensed architect who's lived and worked in San Francisco for 18 years. I am in strong support of this legislation, most critically, the proposed process improvements, development standards, modifications, and removal of burdensome constraints will directly address the housing crisis hobbling this city by extending access to affordable and equitable housing. Thank you for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. Good afternoon, supervisors. My name is Audrey Liu. I'm a resident of District 1. Um, I'm commenting today to urge you to pass um, the Constraints Reduction Ordinance. Um, I think, like many of you, we're all concerned about the high cost and affordable unaffordable housing in San Francisco. And unfortunately, a lot, because of our complicated requirements and oppressive discretionary review process, our city has been left in dire need for more supply. SF takes around 50% more time to approve housing than anywhere else in California. And this, does, this doesn't just affect for-profit developers. It also affects affordable housing as well. Development like 2550 Irving that is intended for a household that makes 27 to 102 k per year, which has been delayed as, as a result of discretionary review. Failing to meet these obligations put our critical systems in peril. At a time when SFMTA is facing an over $100 million deficit, we cannot afford to put our transit system in further jeopardy. Please vote yes on the Constraints Reduction Ordinance. Thank you for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. 
Good afternoon, supervisors. My name is Jonathan Brunemann. I am a resident of District 2. I think we can all agree that we have a serious housing shortage. When I first moved to San Francisco from Germany a couple of years ago, my, I think my rent quintupled, five times more than I paid in Berlin at that time. I am frustrated by how lengthy and unserious this process has been. It is not worthy of this major problem to do 11th hour political gamesmanship or trying to play a game of chicken with HCD and the state. Please pass this ordinance now and don't further de delay this with even more unnecessary amendment on minor edge case issues. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. Hi, I'm Salim Damerji, uh, District 8 constituent. Um, I want to thank Supervisor Melgar for her leadership on this issue. It's an extremely difficult situation. I feel uh, confident in, in your leadership. I hope that the Board of Super, uh, sorry, that this committee uh, passes this uh, ordinance as is and that we don't have to wait another week. Um, unfortunately, we're in an extremely dicey situation. As you know, HCD uh, dropped multiple or rather is not pursuing multiple investigations into the city for violations of state law. And the reason they were willing to do that was because of action 8.82 in the housing element where the city committed to implementing the uh, recommendations in the letter from HCD. Um, we're now at that point. And instead of falling through on something that was passed unanimously, we're playing 11th hour games. Um, I'm completely dependent on transit. If we lose transit funding, I don't know how I'll get around. And I don't know why there are certain supervisors who are willing to play games like that. Thank you. Thank you, Salem Damerji, for sharing your comments. Can we have the next speaker, please? Good afternoon, members of the Land Use Committee. My name is Charlie Shamas. I'm with Council of Community Housing Organizations. A 2022 report by the Harvard Center on Housing Studies concluded that the rental market appears to be settling into a new normal, where nearly half of renter households are cost burdened. And that's half of households. This indicates that the dynamics of housing production are not set up to match the needs in our communities. Simply streamlining market rate development will not change this outcome, it will only reinforce it. Our city's housing plan understands this, and that's why we've said 56% of all new housing must be below market rate. It means housing our workers and our most vulnerable community residents. We appreciate the hard work that has gone into amendments, but unfortunately this legislation still fails to put vulnerable communities and affordable housing first. We cannot limit our public policy to permitting for market rate housing if we are not working proactively to address long-term goals for affordable housing. Speaker's the two must concluded. go hand in hand. Thank, Thank you, you, Charlie Shamas, for sharing your comments to the committee. Can we have the next speaker, please? Lori Lederman, District 7, I'd like to acknowledge the members of this committee for your Herculean efforts to amend the legislation so that it does not further propel displacement, loss of community, loss of small business, and total lack of new affordable housing. Also to acknowledge that you've continued to do this work in spite of outrageous blackmail from the state of California, and I urge you to continue doing good work. The removal of notice provisions even for demolitions hurts residents as if we are not stakeholders in our own neighborhoods, while giving carte blanche to developers who will be moving on to the next project without concern for the impacts they leave behind. Demolition of rent-controlled housing is unacceptable. The HCD deadline is pure and simple blackmail. The state of California should not be threatening the board, but rather should be holding developer feet to the fire. Imagine requiring developers to actually build the projects that have already been approved, or they will lose those permits. 
I urge you to continue your efforts to actually represent and protect our voices, our communities, and to build truly affordable housing. Thank you. Thank you, Lori Lederman, for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. My name is Katie Henriksen. I am an 18-year resident of San Francisco and a property owner and resident of District 7 for the past eight years. I'm also a member of the Westside Family Democratic Club. I'm in full support of these changes to the planning code. As a resident of the West Side, I would welcome more housing, denser housing throughout the city, and especially on the beautiful West Side. I appreciate the work and collaboration of this committee, especially my supervisor, Melgar, and its effort to increase housing production and make it more consistent across this, the city, especially rear yards, front setbacks, minimum lot sizes. So I encourage the committee to approve this ordinance today. Thank you, Katie Henriksen, for your comments. Can we have the next speaker, please? Good afternoon, Chair Melgar and Supervisors Peskin and Preston, Jean-Tel Labyrintho with the Rep Coalition. Rep strongly urges this committee to reject this legislation. We appreciate the hard work that has gone into amendments, but unfortunately, this legislation still fails to put vulnerable communities and affordable housing first, still violates the city's obligation to affirmatively further fair housing. This legislation ultimately does not advance a major goal of the housing element, which is to build 46,000 units of affordable housing. This legislation also undermines dozens of equity-oriented actions that the board and the state of California both approved in the housing element. In fact, the state not only approved our housing element earlier this year and last year, they helped us write it. Rep urges this committee to reject this legislation as it moves our city in the opposite direction and commit to refocus our efforts to implement the housing element in a way that affirmatively furthers fair housing and centers racial and social equity. Thank you. Thank you, Chantel Labyrintho, for sharing your comments. Can we have the next speaker, please? Hi, I'm Diane Ruiz with the Race and Equity and All Planning Coalition, also a resident of District 1. There is no affordable, there is no sh shortage of housing. That is not the reason why housing is so expensive. There are 50,000 units that are entitled that developers are not building. Why? Because of the market conditions. Interest rates are high. People aren't buying. There isn't enough, even in the world, um, investors that are willing to pay for those um, HOA fees and the high mortgage rates or can, or can pay in cash. The average person is not going to be able to afford any of the housing that this legislation seeks to build. None of it will help. Even if you streamlined market rate housing, there's nothing in the legislation that would um, allow the savings to be passed on to the individuals that'll be buying and renting the, the housing. So I don't know why we're even talking about this. We need to build the 57% affordable housing that we mandated the city to build. The last housing element cycled, we built one and a half times time the amount completed. of market rate housing you, Diane, and only half of the affordable. So this is a we pattern we're gonna continue speaker. if we don't. Sorry to cut you off, speaker. We do have to move on to the next speaker. Uh, good afternoon. My name is Eric Arguey. I'm the advocacy manager at Clyde under the Center for Social Justice, and we are a member of the Race and Equity in All Planning Coalition. Uh, this legislation violates the city's legal obligation to affirmatively further fair housing, and it undermines dozens of equity-oriented implementation actions that the Board of Supervisors and the State of California both approved in the housing element. In fact, the state not only approved our housing element, they helped us write it. HCD should not be working should be working with the city and our most vulnerable communities to ensure that we are prioritizing housing that is very low, very low and moderate income households can truly 
uh, be afforded. Uh, please reject this legislation as it is. Thank you. Thank you, Eric Arguello, for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. Good afternoon, Chair Malgar, Supervisors, Joseph Smook of the West Side Community Coalition and the Race and Equity and All Planning Coalition. There's some confusing comments um, during this hearing from prior speakers. Um, I hear a couple of points. One is that luxury housing is going to make housing cheaper. I also hear that there are more than 60,000 vacant homes per reports from the budget and legislative analyst, but I keep hearing that there's not enough housing. I'm also hearing during comments that the state wants to take away local control, but they're also threatening this Board of Supervisors to pass legislation that will take away our local control. It's a little bizarre. So I want to urge on behalf of the Race and Equity and All Planning Coalition, the board reject this legislation and move forward with the next item on the agenda, which we'll be speaking about once that item is called. Thank you. Thank you, Joseph Smoke, for sharing your comments. The committee, can we have the next speaker, please? Good afternoon, members of the Land Use Committee. Thank you for this opportunity to speak. My name is Kathy Lipscomb, and I'm a member of Race and Equity and All Planning Coalition, as well as Senior and Disability Action. Rep strongly urges the Land Use Committee to reject this streaming legislation. I think it should be called streaming with no constraints, which is what it really is. Although we and other major housing groups have spoken out against this item and offered to work with the city, the mayor, on alternatives for, uh, for affordable housing, this has conversation, honest conversation hasn't taken place. So we ask you to reject this. Blackmail is the right name for the state's repression and threats. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy Lipsing, for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. Catherine Howard, Outer Sunset, please reject this ordinance. This ordinance eliminates environmental and community review protections. As private developers unjustly attack CEQA, not only do San Franciscans lose, but also, even more importantly, the environment loses. The Sierra Club California director, Brandon Dawson, has stated, CEQA is one of the state's most powerful laws to achieve sustainable and resilient communities. It provides a public process that can address environmental injustice, public health hazards, and greenhouse gas emissions. Legislators should not heed the call of corporate developers gut or reform CEQA to assuage their concerns and throw the baby out with the bathwater. I ask you to uphold CEQA. Thank you. Thank you so much, Catherine Howard, for sharing your comments. The committee, could we have the next speaker, please? Um, I urge this uh, committee to completely, completely reject this bill. It is a pro-gentrification bill. Uh, I am one of thousands of seniors living in rent-controlled housing in San Francisco. A neighbor of mine was evicted recently. I actually talked about this at another hearing. Uh, we are headed for death. Demolition equals death. Eviction equals death. That's the goal of this legislation. That's the goal of Mayor Breed. She doesn't want any low-income seniors to live here anymore. She just wants to be after a higher office. She couldn't care less for majority of us living in rent-controlled housing. Do everything you can to protect rent-controlled housing, which is irreplaceable, and there are no restraints on that happening except if you reject this bill. 
Thank you for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. Erica Zweig from DFORD, and then we're also affiliated with REP and the West Side Community Coalition. Um, I think you know that this is the developers, the developers' mayor's legislation, the for-profit developers, and it's meant to streamline for-profit development and silence with the false narrative um, the voice of the community. I'm, I myself am going through a um, building of an ADU with no, no opposition in, at all from people in the neighborhood. Um, it took two and a half years to get two rooms approved for, for housing and many thousands of dollars that will have uh, uh, that, I, you know, I don't have to go into it. But it has to do with what's going on in the planning department and the permitting department. But there's a false narrative here that it has to do with streamlining and eliminating Speaker's time important is concluded. things like Thank CEQA, you, Erica Zog, for sharing your comments with the committee. Review, we need to move on to the next speaker. Use. Next speaker, please come forward to the lectern. Uh, good afternoon, Supervisors. My name is Robert Fruckman. I'm a volunteer lead with San Francisco YIMBY, and I'm a resident of District 5. I am extremely grateful for the amendments that we've seen today. Uh, I want to thank Supervisor Melgar, um, working with the city and HCD to bring these amendments forward. I think these are uh, very much necessary, and I'm glad to see them. Well, we should not delay in passing the bill any further. I also want to comment on the state density bonus law. Uh, last year, almost 90% of affordable units were built using the state density bonus law. So although there may be some disagreement about uh, how buildings should look in San Francisco, this is one of the primary tools for building affordable housing at scale. Um, so I urge the supervisors uh, here to uh, pass this bill and to keep San Francisco aligned with uh, state policy and state law. Thank you. Thank you, Robert Fruckman, for sharing your comments. Can we have the next speaker, please? And then if we have anyone else who has public comment on this agenda, item number five, please line up to speak. Hi there. Um, Annie Fryman, rent-controlled tenant in San Francisco, uh, speaking from my role at SPUR today. First, I want to express really clear support for the amendment to ensure rent-controlled housing is streamlined from any possibility uh, or is protected from any possibility of streamlined demolition. But second, I want to remind members of the committee that 72 hours ago, we missed our state deadline. Um, we're running on good faith from the state right now that is really quickly running out. A week before we missed that deadline, I spoke to a panel of low-income housing developers in San Francisco and heard person after person express concern that this Board of Supervisors is willing to gamble with housing element decertification. These organizations use state funding, as you know, to multiply our local city dollars to build low-income housing in every single one of your districts. And one in particular pulled me aside and said, what can we do? We need to help. What can we do? All I could tell her was, please call all 11 members of the Board of Supervisors and make sure they know the severity and importance of this. So I'll ask again, so please adopt concluded. this ordinance. Thank you, Thank Andy you. Fryman, for sharing your comments. Do we have anyone further who has public comment on agenda item number five? Madam Chair. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Public comment on this item is now closed. Supervisor Presson. Thank you, Chair Melgar. Um, and, and I just wanted to comment, especially in light of some of the uh, public comment, and, and thank everyone who came out. 
and uh, and and spoke on this. But I, you know, I think what I repeat um, increasingly hearing as a as a talking point on these uh, issues is this i this idea that the state will you know cut off the city's uh, affordable housing money. And I, and I and I just I just need to comment on on this dynamic because really the, the the level of just complete classism and disregard of low income and working class people that the the state policy is exhibiting here is is really shines through when we hear about these these threats i mean the the fundamental regardless of how people feel about additional market rate housing which is only affordable to upper income people in a city and county of san francisco regardless of how people feel about whether there should be more or less of that in a particular neighborhood the 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 premise the state is operating from here that if that 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 if the city doesn't sufficiently streamline and deregulate housing for rich people, the state is going to cut housing for poor and working class people is so completely outrageous. So congratulations to the various lobbyists, paid and unpaid, who have created the situation where that is literally the, the state policy on housing. I, I have to remark on, on it whenever this comes up because it's just, like, it's one thing for us to acknowledge that state policy. It's one thing for us to recognize the dynamics of Sacramento, where the interests of wealthy and upper-middle-class people, mostly white people, are placed as being more important than the interests of low-income, working-class people and people of color. Like, that is the reality of the Sacramento legislature, and that is the reality of money in politics is one thing for us to recognize that reality and deal with it and move forward to make sure we're complying with all aspects of the housing element so as not to put funds at risk and so as to deliver on promises that we've made in the housing element. It's one thing to acknowledge that state policy. It's another thing to be proud of it. You know, I, I, and I just want to take issue with um, the, the, the idea of waving around this dynamic as if you're advancing equity. As if you're fighting for equity when you come in and, and urge and support this dynamic of withholding money and the state and celebrating the state withholding money to house poor people, withholding that, those funds if, we don't, if they don't get sufficient streamlining of the only thing they're advocating for in San Francisco, which is housing for, uh, for rich people. And so, you know, I, I want to just recognize there are so many things our city could be doing right now and with the state's help to create more affordable housing here. And we have eviction bans that were effective in the pandemic expiring. So we're looking at rising evictions. We're looking at, you know, $20 million we set aside over a year and a half ago now for public housing repairs. The administration won't spend. We're looking at affordable housing opportunities in my district, preservation opportunities, including uh, buildings where people are at risk of displacement, where the administration won't take action to acquire those buildings and is, in fact, slashing funds for that. Affordable housing, 100% affordable housing projects in many of our districts, certainly in mine, 
um, where the administration is playing politics instead of developing affordable housing that we need. Um, and on all these things, the HCD is absolutely silent. And so I just, you know, I, I just want to challenge everyone uh, who's, who's listening or who cares about these issues to imagine a world and a state in which our state housing department and our uh, mayoral administration here were prioritizing affordable housing, where the, where the state HCD was looking at some of the games being played around affordable housing in San Francisco, where projects are promised or threatened, funded or not funded, you know, as political payback and, and, and to secure votes on the board and so forth, uh, instead of trying to fulfill the housing element, uh, where funds that have been fully allocated by the board are being uh, held and, and not spent on affordable housing. Um, and imagine an HCD that cared about those things and was pushing us uh, to actually achieve the housing element goal of 46,000 affordable housing units. And earlier this year, I raised the, the intention, and I think we will need to pursue this, of empowering third parties to be able to sue the city, to force the city to achieve our affordable housing objectives. Because it is very clear to me at this point in time from every action by HCD, that HCD is not gonna do a thing, barring a, some kind of change, to insist that our city actually produce the 46,000 units of affordable housing. Instead, we're facing a situation like the last RENA goals and RENA cycle, where, uh, you know, where we will overproduce market rate housing, a lot of which will sit vacant, um, and we will continue underproducing uh, affordable housing. So it is sad that as uh, a legislator on this body, uh, rather than being able to get state uh, housing organization to step in and actually force compliance with the affordable housing goals of our housing element, we are going to have to pass legislation to empower third parties to sue the city to, to, to force us to do what the state housing agency will not even assist us in doing. So again, all of that is the case, regardless of how one feels about additional market rate housing in their neighborhood and to the point raised by some of the commenters, you can upzone and you can deregulate and uh, you can streamline. That isn't what builds housing. It can help sometimes, uh, but we got some major barriers in terms of interest rates and other things. So again, the incredible amount of time and energy spent, spent on this streamlining exercise to the exclusion of all of the things we could be doing to protect, preserve, and build affordable housing in San Francisco uh, continues not to sit well with me, um, but it is beyond the scope, unfortunately, of what is before us. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor President. Um, President Paskin. Uh, thank you. I would be more than happy to associate myself with the words of Supervisor Preston, but for the record, and why don't we just go to the city attorney, it is my understanding that we do not, not are not yet in receipt of a letter from the state of California, uh, and if and when such letter comes, we have 30 days to comply. Yes, Andrea Rizisquide, Deputy City Attorney. Um, yes, President Peskin, that's correct. To my knowledge, we're not yet in receipt, 
but I think the letter will be coming soon. And once we receive it, uh, we have 30 days to um, comply. Got it. So we have not blown any deadlines yet. It's an iterative process. We have, we're at the beginning of the process. Okay, there we go. Thank you very much for clarifying that. For the record, uh, I do associate myself with some of the comments of uh, Supervisor Preston as relates to media coverage. I mean, as we're sitting here speaking, uh, the SF standard claims that we have irreversibly blown a deadline. It is not true. Uh, it may be true in a month, and we've got some work to do uh, between now and the middle of December, and we will do it. Um, I also have to just say that the state of California, if it really wanted to help, while it's imposing all of these preemptor, preemptory controls on local government, could actually get rid of the Ellis Act. Uh, but they refused to do that. So, I mean, this is, and all of you who advocate to all of us uh, can also advocate for the state to get rid of the Ellis Act, which has done more to decimate this town, low-income people, middle-income people, than any single thing. So I just want to state that for the record. Finally, uh, now that Supervisor Mandelman is, no, can't be with us, uh, I would like to offer an amendment uh, which is not substantive that he uh, asked us to insert at page 69, lines 9 through 13, subsection C, uh, which was his language and was built after 1923 for the purposes of this subsection C2C, and historic building shall also include any building that is a contributor to a historic district that is listed in or determined eligible for listing in the California Register of Historic Resources or the National Register of Historic Places. Uh, thank you, President Peskin. And uh, we've confirmed with the city attorney that that's not a substantive amendment? That's correct. Okay, so I would like to uh, also make a motion that we adopt all of the amendments that were um, read into the record by Mr. Starr earlier. So, Madam Chair, which we have Supervisor Peskin's motion to amend. Were you going to take a roll call vote on that first? I guess this, so. Yeah, let's take on okay, it separately. This is the motion offered by Supervisor Peskin carrying the amendments offered by Supervisor Mandelman while he was here related to historic uh, homes. And on that motion, uh, Vice Chair Preston. Preston, aye. Member Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Chair Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Madam Chair, there is no opposition to that amendment. Then I have a motion from Chair Melgar to carry the amendments as presented by Planning Department staff. On that motion, Vice Chair Pes uh, Preston. Preston, aye. Member Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Chair Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Madam Chair, there is no opposition once again. It is now twice amended. Okay, so Mr. Clerk, what we should do at this point is duplicate the file, just in case we need something, <laughs> uh, given that we are in this iterative process with HCD. Um, we may or may not do something with that file, but we'll continue it. Um, and uh, with the amended file, I would like to propose, it's agendized as a committee report, I'd like to propose that we move it forward without recommendation to tomorrow's board meeting. Without recommendation. Correct. As amended. As, as amended. a committee report. Yes. 
on the motion offered by Chair Melgar that the ordinance has now twice amended be sent without recommendation of land use committee as amended as a committee report. Vice Chair Preston. Preston, aye. Member Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Chair Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Madam Chair, there is no position on that motion. Thank you. And then I would like to move that we continue the duplicated file to the call of the chair. On the motion that the uh, duplicated file be continued to the call of the chair, Vice Chair Preston. Preston, aye. Member Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Chair Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Madam Chair, there is no opposition once again. Thank you so much, Mr. Clerk. Okay, let us go back to item four. Uh, I believe that we have amendments uh, ready uh, from Director Tang. Oh, there you are. And just a note for the record that agenda item number four has heard public comment already and public comment has been closed on that item and that there has been no action taken on that item so far by the committee. And uh, yes, uh, President Peskin, did you want to say something? I, I think we've got it figured out at least for today which is and i circulated to you during the previous hearing uh language which is in two colors in blue and in green and the blue items are items that ms tang already gave the committee that we discussed the green items are additional changes that we can take today, starting with the long title, which is to cut out uh, sub 12, which is the language with regard to uh, fees for changes in use. The next change would be on page 26, uh, subsection C, to remove that language that we previously discussed. The next change would be on page 32, lines 19 to 21, to remove the language that pre we previously discussed. And finally, at page 99, to remove section four, and then to accept the rest of the amendments as proposed by staff. That would be the first action. Then I would duplicate the file and make amendments to the duplicated file, but we can do that subsequently. That, and Ms. Sounds Tang, like is that, does that sound right? That sounds correct to me. Okay, Mr. Clerk. On the motion to amend is offered by Chair, I'm sorry, is offered by Member Peskin, Vice Chair Preston. Preston, aye. Member Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. Chair Melgar? Aye. Melgar, aye. Madam Chair, there is no opposition on those amendments. Okay, do we need to continue the duplicated file? Too? No, we do not need to continue the duplicated file. We can send the duplicated file, but, oh, well, hold on. First, I would like to duplicate okay. the file as amended. <laughs> okay. um, and then I would like to add to the duplicated file um, the section four language at page 99, which will be further amended if the city attorney and Katie and I can figure out how to do that appropriately to drill down on the PDR issues. At section 186 uh, is, um, we have some language to add. This is all in uh, the memo that Ms. Tang provided us. Uh, there are some changes to section 231 also provided, section 311 also provided, 
and table 723 as it relates to Hyde Street, which Ms. Tang described earlier, and some changes that I previously described relative to limited non-conforming uses in the formula retail section and some other changes that I previously described to, well, we'll, we'll, I'll make the, actually, you want to know what? I will hold off on the limited non-conforming uses and the LCUs uh, because the city attorney needs to approve those as to form. So the bulk of my amendments are moving section four from back into the duplicated file and the amendments that Ms. Tang set forth in her memo relative to sections 186, 231, 311, and 723. And those would be the amendments I would like to make to the duplicated file, and then I'd like to continue the duplicated file as amended one week. On the motion offered by Member Peskin for amendments to the duplicated file, and then to continue as amended to next week, December 4th, as, am, uh, as amended, sorry. On that motion, Vice Chair Preston. Aye. Preston, aye. Member Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Chair Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Madam Chair, there is no opposition to amend and to continue as amended to next week. Okay, thank you. All right, that's it, right? <laughs> thank you, Director Tang. Um, okay, now let's go to our final item, item number six. Just a moment, Madam Chair, while I catch up with my notes. Agenda item number six is a resolution directing the city attorney and the city lobbyist on behalf of the city to request that the State Department of Housing and Community Development extend the housing element implementation action plan deadline to ensure that all San Francisco's extensive collaborative work to further housing development does not first lead to decertification of San Francisco's thorough and adopted housing element, second, revise and correct HCD's policy and practice review letter to be responsive to San Francisco's adopted housing element, including its action on affordable housing and equity, and third, to be responsive to the city's legal obligations to affirmatively further fair housing, San Francisco's chartered legislative process and San Francisco's status as a charter city imbued with the local power over municipal affairs. And finally, like items on today's agenda elsewhere, this item is agendized as a committee report for potential action to send it to the Board of Supervisors for tomorrow's meeting. Okay, thank you, uh, Mr. Clerk. Uh, President Peskin. Thank you, Chair Melgar. I think the long title as read by the clerk speaks for itself, uh, but at base, this is a official resolution by the Board of Supervisors uh, that asks HCD to work in a more collaborative fashion with the city and county of San Francisco and makes that the policy of this city for reasons that we heard from members of the public and that were expressed uh, by Supervisor Preston quite eloquently. Uh, I have a number of suggested amendments that are before you and would like to take those amendments and let the public look at them and continue the item as amended for a week for everybody to look at and comment on. Thank you, uh, President Peskin. Um, why don't we take public comment on this item? Thank you. This will be the last time we take public comment on today's meeting. This is public comment on agenda item number six. If you have comment for that, please line up along the western wall of this room and then come forward to lectern. We'll hear each speaker for two minutes. First speaker, please. Good afternoon, one last time today. Supervisors Eric Brooks, 
our city of San Francisco and San Francisco CEQA defenders. Uh, I realize we have to put a resolution like this forward to exhaust our remedies with the state of California. But as some of you said quite eloquently, the and, and kind of in opposition to what some of the quote unquote nonprofit groups have said at public comment, uh, the state is not acting in good faith. The state is acting in bad faith because it's controlled by billionaires who want to make a bunch of money off of luxury housing that sits empty with no one living in it. And uh, so, and what really strikes me and, and was in my latest um, email about the previous item to you all uh, that I sent last week is that this situation has become utterly ridiculous. It's a farce. We've got the San Francisco Chronicle, I gave you a link to it in my latest email, reporting that the California population is still lower than it was before COVID, and so is the San Francisco population. San Francisco has 15% vacant housing, and the state is still telling us we need to build more housing. We don't even need to build more Low-income housing, we've got enough space. We could fill it up by using eminent domain or whatever we need to use. So in all seriousness, you know, we need to pass this resolution, but what we really need to do is take the obvious farce of a situation that we've got and sue the state of California and stop this nonsense from continuing any further. We've got a good case. I mean, it literally says in the papers Population has gone down, but you still need to build more housing. That's ridiculous. And I would think that a good judge would, would agree that it's ridiculous. So sue the state of California, please. Your comments, can we get the next speaker, please? Hi, Jonathan Bruneman again. Um, I'll keep it really quick here. You know how I was talking about the unseriousness of it all earlier? This action is exactly what I meant. This is completely unnecessary and it's almost pathetic to try to get the state to revise and correct their own letter that they sent the city. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your comments. Could we have the next speaker, please? Lee Levitt, Council of Community Housing Organizations, joining Rep SF and Anti-Displacement Coalition is supporting uh, President Peskin's resolution. San Francisco is a tale of two cities. Affordable housing developers know the real challenges to building the housing that we need. They've pieced together limited funding sources while dealing with soaring interest rates and economic constraints. Market rate development is where the money's at. San Francisco has overshot its goal for market rate housing, housing by 10,000 units in the last count, nearly 180% of its mandate in the last eight years. So affordable housing chugs along, building nearly 60% of the RENA goals for very low income and 60% for moderate income households. This story is repeated in nearly every jurisdiction in California. Are we a bad actor or is something wrong with this picture? And can we connect the dots to our vulnerable and BIPOC communities losing out on housing? Now the state housing agency is focused on punishing one city, San Francisco. HCD, you can't threaten to decertify our housing element without denying the very funds that our city needs to build more affordable housing. Our three coalitions join in support of this resolution and asking HCD to work, to work with us and affirm fair housing laws. Thank you. Thank you, Lee Lovett, for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. Hi, Catherine Howard, Out of Sunset. Uh, yes, I support this, and I also think it might be a good idea to include 
some of Supervisor Preston's excellent, articulate comments about how we're being told to build luxury and the heck with the affordable housing. Um, I also support the prior comments by Ms. Lovett. Thank you very much. Thank you, Catherine Howard, for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. Good afternoon, Supervisors. My name is Robert Fruchtman, and I'm asking you to not pass this resolution. Uh, frankly, I think this whole thing is just ridiculous. Um, the state was very clear in its findings. San Francisco has introduced barriers to building housing which are not necessary and which are causing San Francisco housing costs to go up. Uh, the state found that San Francisco's approval times are on average, I think, 16 months longer than any other jurisdiction in California. It can take over 500 days to approve one housing project. If discretion is going to make San Francisco's housing more affordable for the city, then why hasn't it worked yet? Why hasn't more discretion in government decisions led to more affordable housing? We have some of the highest costs in the country. Uh, discretionary rules for housing have not worked, and San Francisco's approach has not worked. Uh, I think the idea that HCD is unfairly punishing San Francisco is uh, absurd given the fact that San Francisco has some of the highest housing costs in the country and given the demand of housing here, it's San Francisco has no excuse. Uh, we are in this situation for a reason. Uh, city planners are afraid of the Board of Supervisors, they are afraid of the Planning Commission. This is something that HCD found. Uh, this was not addressed before the Housing Policy and Practice Report. San Francisco employs uh, nearly four dozen planners just to work on CEQA approvals. This is not the behavior of a functioning city, but one which is afraid of making changes. Thank you. Thank you, Robert Fruckman, for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. Hello again, Supervisors. Uh, my name is Bob Akisfandiari. I'm here on my own behalf now, just myself, me alone. Um, but when I saw that this was introduced uh, because of the standards newsletter on obscure things that usually slip by the radar of most people, I couldn't believe it was introduced. We have had years, years, we know what was coming. We've known what was coming because the fifth cycle ended and the sixth cycle was coming. We've known that the state was going to treat the sixth cycle differently and with a lot more teeth because our great state representatives passed multiple bills, including Senate Bill 828, to give the housing element process teeth. And then this body and the planning department and the five dozen community meetings I went to and that everyone else went to for the housing element process laid it all out there. And the fact of the matter is to claim now at the 11th hour with two seconds left on the clock that we need more time, it's, it's laughable. We don't need more time. We don't need to delay anymore. We don't need to beg the, the, we don't need to make it the policy of the city that we need the city attorney to go beg the state to get more time. What we need is for us to have actual leadership in this town to say we need to make it easier to build housing, not harder to build housing. And yes, we have a housing shortage. And regarding some comments made by certain supervisors earlier, all I'll say is this. I do think it's a shame that 
that uh, we might lose out on state funding if we get decertified, but I think it is within the state's prerogative to say if San Francisco is going to burn state money on inefficient and wasteful practices, that instead we should, you know, give that money to Oakland or give that money to San Jose or give it to other municipalities that are not uh, uh, so frivolous and, and wasteful. So I think that, that this resolution is, is a joke. I think that HCD is watching us, and if you pass it, it further demonstrates that we're not serious about this and that they're going to withdraw uh, our certification. Thank you. Thank you, Baba Isfandiari, for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. Uh, good afternoon, uh, members of the Housing of the Land Use Committee, thank you for keeping hope alive. And thank you for introducing uh, an, an extension of the, trying to get an implementation of the extension of the time crane, flame, uh, sorry, of the uh, time uh, element in terms of implementation of the housing element. Um, we strongly request you honor Supervisor and uh, Supervisor Peskin and Chan's resolution to vote in favor of the effort to extend the housing element. This is because the affirming, affirming aff affordability context is being ignored by HCD's policy and practice review procedure. Not only do we learn from the San Francisco Chronicle recently about a developer being thrilled with himself for planning a 71-story, 672-unit residential tower of which a measly 67 units would be below market rate. This isn't going to work. We also discover in the same Chronicle, uh, the same newspaper, that just a few weeks ago, about 60,000 applications were made to the San Francisco Housing Authority, even though only 6,500 Section 8 spots are available. Available. What a coincidence, 60,000 applications and 6,000 and vacant units. <coughs> the last time the wait list for Section 8 was open, in San Francisco was 10 years ago, 10 years ago, the Housing, author uh, housing Authority uh, employee was quoted as saying, we get so many applications, we don't want to keep adding to it. So the question here is, we would like to really collaborate. Thank you for sharing your comments. Uh -huh. Speaker's time has concluded. Can we get the next speaker, please? Hi, um, I'm Salim Damerji. The city has a choice. Either it can work collaboratively with HCD or it can antagonize HCD. If we want to extend our housing element deadline, we will need their good graces to do so. And making incendiary comments to them, undermining their authority is not the way to accomplish that. Thank you. Thank you, Salim Damerji, for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. Hi, I'm Diane Ruiz, resident of District 1 and member of the Race and Equity and All Planning Coalition. Rep SF strongly supports this resolution. Um, you know, the, the deadline by HCD is make-believe. It wasn't in the housing element that was passed in January, just so people know. This is something completely new. Now we have to pivot around and waste time on instead of prioritizing building affordable housing. So it's completely reasonable that the city um, requires time to pass some of the 
good amendments that were introduced today that protect rent-controlled housing, that protect vulnerable communities, because we don't need more luxury housing. There's plenty out there. I think that um, the city needs to prioritize affordable housing, and it's not doing that. It's not doing that in the streamlining legislation. Um, HCD is creating animosity. Um, it's not doing what we focused on when we were working with the city on the housing element, including so many things that would actually create affordable housing, create equity. Um, instead, they want to silence communities. And silencing communities doesn't build affordable housing. It doesn't make housing cheaper. It's an insult to everybody that stand that's been standing at this spot right now and saying that your voice doesn't matter. Everybody that's in this room, your voice doesn't matter because that's what the HCD letter threatens to do is completely disallow public process and let developers have unchecked power in our city and let the planning department who, by the way, oh, I forgot that rent-controlled housing was included in the streamlining legislation. Maybe we'll include it now, like several months later. Like, we need to be able to have accountability. Thank you. Thank you, Diane Ruiz, for sharing your comments. Can we have the next speaker, please? Hello again, Supervisor Jantel Lavarento with the Rep Coalition. Rep strongly urges this committee to support this resolution, urging HCD to recognize the efforts this board has already taken to remove barriers to housing and refocus its efforts towards complying with our city and state's legal AFFH obligations. We are deeply concerned that what's laid out in the PPR will further exacerbate our affordability crisis, jeopardize our city's ability to meet its affordability goals, and move our city out of compliance with its AFFH obligations. Although the PPR indicates that housing element implementation must be taken seriously, it focuses only on a particular set of actions and creates a new set of actions, all while ignoring the dozens of existing equity actions written into the housing element that the board and the state both approved earlier this year. Rep appreciates President Peskin and Supervisor Chan's leadership in ensuring our city and state meet their legal obligations to affirmatively further fair housing. Along with SFADC and Choo Choo, the Rep Coalition hopes that this resolution will assert the board's intention to focus our city and state towards the equity-oriented actions in our housing element that prioritize affordable housing, tenant protections, and retaining the critical voices of our communities. Thank you. Thank you, Chantel Labyrintho, for sharing your comments. Could we have the next speaker, please? And Dave Thoward um, also supports this uh, extension. Too bad we needed an, to, uh, to think of an extension um, from the bullying that's happening from HCG. It's a little suspicious that they didn't provide enough time for a big city to go through their process properly and, and fairly um, to uh, review it. But our rep did a review and an exhaustive review of HCD's letter and uh, really the work of the planning department and it was given to the planning department and so far it really hasn't been reviewed and um, the city attorney as well should be um, representing the city's best interest and has not stepped forward on that um, to try to um, give us the time that we need to review and see how, how we can make things happen. At the same time, um, it's almost a takeover that will happen if we don't make the timeline. 
And does that work in for-profit builders' favor if the state takes over? I think so. Thank you. Thank you, Erica Zweig, for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. Chair Melgar, Supervisors, uh, Joseph Smook of the Rep Coalition. I just want to add one point to what's been said by my colleagues from the Rep Coalition so far. Um, there was legislation passed by the Board of Supervisors to change the site permit process, which supposedly during the discussion around that legislation cut roughly a year and a half off of the approval process for uh, housing projects. I just wanted to make that point clear. I um, also want to thank uh, President Peskin um, for his leadership on bringing this resolution forward, and we hope that it's um, taken off of the continuance and heard um, and moved to the board as soon as possible. Thanks very much. Thank you, Joseph Smook, for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. Good afternoon again, Chair Melgar and Supervisors. Um, we strongly support this resolution introduced by President Peskin and Supervisors Chan. Um, asking that the city formally request HCD pause the implementation of the PPR timeline while inaccuracies and considerable equity and AFFH concerns are addressed. We also urge HCD to accept the meeting request from nearly 100 organizations across the city, many BIPOC-led and serving, as requested in our recent letter, so we can discuss and resolve these very considerable issues around equity community stabilization, and affirmatively furthering fair housing. We are deeply concerned that a number of HCD PPR recommendations would move the city further out of alignment with affirmatively furthering fair housing law and the central strategies for meeting these legal requirements in the San Francisco housing element, a document which was completed under the close supervision of HCD only a year ago. Specifically, a number of these PPR re recommendations are out of alignment with the housing element frameworks that prescribe establishing a more equitable distribution of housing, while at the same time stabilizing cultural communities and assisting them in their progress towards becoming neighborhoods of opportunity. So it's critical to understand overall, San Francisco is the only city in the state that I'm aware of that has an accelerated RENA build cycle, despite being one of the only areas to have actually met its market rate housing goals in the last cycle. San Francisco has already passed a number of streamlining and removal constraints legislation, and yet has not yet implemented any meaningful affordable housing or culturalization strategies, which HCD doesn't mention anywhere in their letter. So it's deeply disappointing that we're pushing only the other portions of the amendments when they're out of alignment with AFFH law in some meaningful ways. We urge you to move this resolution forward next week. Thank you, Peter Thank Papadopoulos, you. for sharing your comments with the committee. Let's have the next speaker, please. Good afternoon, Supervisors. Lori Lederman, District 7, Inner Sunset. Um, I support this resolution. I think it's a shame that it's necessary, but it's absolutely necessary. This housing policy, this legislation, is v incredibly significant and important to the city of San Francisco, and, and getting it right is so much more important than getting it fast. And the, uh, the issues that have been raised by the Rep Coalition and others that say, look, we've got to get more affordable housing into this legislation, that is what we need. We don't have to rely on these mythologies that we don't have enough luxury and uh, market rate housing available. We have plenty. So yeah, we need to get it right. We don't need to get it that fast. The state shouldn't have put the city in this position in the first place. Please support this resolution. Thank you. 
Thank you, Lori Lederman. Could we have the next speaker, please? Hi there, Annie Freiman again from Spur. Um, first, I just wanted to say that I oppose this resolution in large part because it does not do anything. It does not accomplish anything. And further, the only thing that it does do is cement the assertions of bad faith on behalf of San Francisco to the state of California. And that carries with it really concrete risks. And I think on balance, that is not actually worth the, the theater, frankly, that this resolution presents. Second, I want to just address a few of the other comments that came before me about San Francisco didn't sign up for this. Um, San Francisco did adopt in our housing element that we knew that this report would be coming, that we would meet the recommendations and deadlines in that report that was adopted by this board last January. We are now at the point where we have to follow through on that and we are choosing not to. Um, everything that is on the table for this immediate set of deadlines that we've been debating today, all of those policy items were explicitly listed in the housing element. All of it was contained within that constraints ordinance that was introduced, that was introduced late this spring and early summer. Um, and this board has, has largely sat on that ordinance for many months now. And now we're at the point where the state's saying, hey, remember that thing you did many months ago? We really need you to pick it up and just move forward. And now instead of showing good faith, we're choosing to delay, we're choosing to push back, and we're choosing to cement the assertions of bad faith from the state. And I think that that's a serious mistake of this city, um, given the consequences that are on the table for us. Thank you. Thank you, Annie Fryman, for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. Hey, Supervisors, I'm Barack. I oppose this resolution. Uh, we do not need more time. We had years to pass a strong housing element, which we already did unanimously, I believe, almost a year ago. Um, as a resident, I'm evaluating my supervisors by the outcome. Are we currently building more homes at all income levels or not? And we're currently failing. According to our own planning department, most of proposed projects today are currently not feasible because of the high costs and slow timelines of doing business here. Rather than pointing fingers, let's build on Supervisor Melger's collaborative approach and move with urgency to uh, building more homes instead of this political theater. Thank you for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. And if we have any further comments after this speaker, please line up to speak along the western side of this room. Hi, my name is Aji Liu. Um, I'm in support against this resolution. Um, I really don't know what to say, uh, to be honest. You know, me and my partner, we look at, you know, houses on Zillow or Redfin, not because we think we can really buy anything. <laughs> it's more just as a fantasy, you know, and looking at the historical housing prices and seeing how, you know, reading how tech came in and how it became complicated when they, there was so much money that made it so expensive to push other people uh, to buy a home and it pushed other people out, you know, it's really heartbreaking to me. Um, I know this issue is complicated, but I feel like from my experience of reading about this issue and going to community hearings like 2550 Irving, it hurts to see you know, neighbors complain about a 96 unit affordable housing development or you know, in the Marin complaining about a homelessness shelter because of this concern or that concern or, you know, 
how this will affect my view when in reality, I just wish that, you know, we can really look at what we, what's important and make sure that people can find a place to live and to stay. And yeah, that's it, really. Thank you, Audrey Leo, for sharing your comments with the committee. Could we have the next speaker, please? Chair Malgar, Supervisors, Charlie Shamas with the Council of Community Housing Organizations. Cities that have historically shirked their fair share of developing affordable and market rate housing should be held accountable. But San Francisco is not one of these bad actors. In fact, San Francisco overproduced its market rate housing goals and it had one of the highest performance on affordable housing of any other city across the state. The challenge before us is how can the city develop in ways that house the most vulnerable among us, that keep the next generation here in the city, that stabilize neighborhoods that experience displacement, that house our workers. We appreciate President Peskin for your authorship of this resolution. We believe HCD's efforts are better served by partnering with the city on the financial and resource investments to ensure that we are actually successful in facilitating housing at all income levels not just expensive market rate housing. Thank you. Thank you, Charlie Shamas, for sharing your comments with the committee. Could we have the next speaker, please? Good afternoon, Eric Arguello with Glide and a member of the REP Coalition. Uh, the REP Coalition hopes that this resolution will exert the board's intention to focus our city and state towards the equity element that prioritizes affordable housing tenant protections and retaining the critical voices of our communities. And for, for uh, those of us who have uh, lived in San Francisco for many years, um, we have seen what has, this has done to our low-income communities, so it's best for us to get this right the first time around instead of moving forward and, and getting it wrong for the future. Thank you. Thank you, Eric Arguello, for sharing your comments. Do we have anyone else here for public comment on agenda item number six? Madam Chair. Okay. Given that uh, public comment on that item is closed. Uh, President Peskin, uh, thank you for bringing forward this resolution. Um, I have to say, you know, somebody who's spent a lot of time working on these issues with you and with the planning department, um, I think it's okay to ask more time to get it right. Um, and I, uh, you know, I'm uh, glad uh, that we're doing it. We have no power to uh, compel them or make it so, but I think it's okay to ask. And so um, thank you for bringing this forward and I will be supporting. And I would like to move the amendments and then continue the item for a week so everybody can take a peek at it. A motion okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. On a motion offered by member Peskin, sorry, excuse me, yes. The motion is to amend and then continue as amend as offered by Member Peskin. On that motion, Vice Chair Preston. Preston, aye. Member Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Chair Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Madam Chair, there is no opposition. Okay, so and also uh, on the amended version, continuing for? To continue it to the next meeting already? as amended, okay, yes. Great. thanks. Um, do we have any other issues on the calendar? There is no further business. Okay, with that, we are adjourned.